This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past four. Welcome to Monday morning. I know it really is depressing thought, isn't it? When you think, Anya, perhaps we'll enjoy the weekend. And then you suddenly realise that the weekend's finished and we're back into the week again. I don't mind, actually. Because it gives me an opportunity to go through all the uh, newspapers and find out all the stories. Uh, today, I thought I would do big scams for you. I thought I'd do big scams just to, just to warn you just how, uh, how bad the things are. Just how bad things are out there. We'll talk about the savagery of the ISIS murder squads. Very odd, because in Twickenham, over the last couple of days, ISIS has been sprayed on the NatWest bank machine and on a building society. And somebody thought it was some, some complete prat writing, is, is. And it now turns out to be this... I wonder how long it'll take the council to clean that one. It's very odd, isn't it? Uh, ISIS are this uh, pathetic bunch of, uh, of uh, people over in Iraq, and either they have murdered loads of people, or these pictures are dummied up. I would suggest that the pictures are dummied. I've looked at them very carefully, and uh, they don't look genuine to me, especially where they're, they're piled into a lorry. So, in other words, they sort of put all these people in in normal clothes, and then they, they made it look as though they were being executed. And meantime, we've had, we've had Tony Blair popping up all over the television, droning on in that boring way that he does, you know, as if he's got nothing to do with the war in Iraq. Very strange. Very strange. Anyway, nice to have your company, to have your company. Oh, it doesn't matter. And so yesterday, very busy day. The sun didn't shine, but who cares? I had uh, Egyptian food yesterday. We had... Oh, by the way, all the people asking what was in the little brown bags. I've lost it now. Donuts. Donuts. From a company, we, we've, we found a company called Crosstown Donuts, and uh, none of their donuts have trans fats in there. And what they do is they, they had different, they had a creme brulee donut, they had um, uh, a raspberry coulis inside, and it's packed full, it's not just a little squirt of jam, this is proper sort of raspberries, English raspberries. They weren't cheap, so I bought uh, three. I haven't eaten one, because a friend of mine had one, and he had a chocolate chocolate and raspberry and strawberry mix and he said it was the best donut he'd ever eaten and the bloke said to me he said he said you can come and come and see us at leather lane i said i live in twickenham what blooming use is leather lane to me so uh so he, he said i could always deliver on my little bike yes you could actually you could deliver on your little bike but they were very good so we had a good time at the marylebone market lots of people out had a nice cup of coffee and uh, we took the rides, uh, the photographs of the rides at the fun fair as well. It was all, all in all, it was just, it was brilliant. All in all, it was, it was just, just really good, really, really good. So pick up the papers this morning. Yesterday was a bit of a dreary day for the papers, but I did buy the two ones I missed. I missed the people, and I missed the mirror. And I went through them when I got home yesterday, and I've I've cut them out for some of the stories that you've missed. Uh, we can we can lay to rest some of the stories which we know are PR puffs. And by a PR puff, anything that's got the word Cheryl Cole or Mel B in is a PR puff. They're trying to get you to watch The X Factor, which you deserted in your droves. In your droves last year. So in an effort to perk it up, they've had to get as many quotes about The X Factor as possible. Like, you know, everybody's eagerly anticipating Cheryl Cole. Nobody's anticipating Cheryl Cole, least of all the record-buying public. Nobody is interested in this boring dullard who spends more time... She's apparently hired a new style team. 
You know, so in other words, she can't even do her own hair, poor soul. And she's going to have a new makeup dance. She'll look exactly the same, and what will emanate from her gob will be the same rubbish that you heard last time round, which was nothing. Mel B will spice it up. Then they tried to get a story going in the paper that Mel B had had a big falling out with Simon Cowell, and she was refusing to toe the line about, you know, you'll, you'll argue and all the rest of it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the show. And I thought, they'll do anything to try and make anything up, won't they? You know what lies are now. What's even worse, children is that adults are telling lies. It's PR puffiness. That's all it is. Nobody gives us stuff. I mean, really, what you want is Mel B to lay Cheryl out. That's what you want. Why, eyelash? What's this? <laughs> Gone. You know, cartoon character falls over. And apparently Cheryl's now saying, I don't want to sit next to Louis. And, and I'm thinking, it's just, you know, if, if, if only any of them had any talent, if only Cheryl Cole had half as much talent as her tiny little brain thinks she has, it would be a different world. If Mel B was actually a pleasant person, as opposed to a foul-mouthed old rough, rough person, and, um, and then it would be different. But all they'll do is they'll sit there, they'll, they'll, we'll have, you know what's going to happen, I'll tell you now, I'll tell you now, and it will be lots of all the silly people, on the on the X Factor. In other words, all the really stupid ones who they'll have somebody sitting there and they go, So what what's what's the dream? Louis will say, What's the dream? They go, Oh sing singing for me, Mammy and they go, Oh lovely dear, what happens to that run over by a, an oxen cart in India? Right, lovely. And th- they would have been so pleased to hear me sing and then they get out there and they can't sing. So we waste ten minutes, but of course they know that they can't sing because they've already auditioned them. This isn't, you know, this is the final audit. This is the bit where they go, you, you're through to the television because we're going to laugh at you and point fingers. I mean, you're not going to get anywhere, but we'll all have a good old laugh at your expense because you're remedial. You were in the stupid class. Like when they put the chawners on there. I mean, if that programme was worth its salt, they wouldn't actually put any of these people on there. But because there's so few people are going to get through, they've got to pad it out with the numpties. And for the numpties, read any old tart who can stand up there. And for that, I mean the boys as well. Actually, there's an old tart in the Big Brother house. One of the gay boys in there... The window dresser from Liverpool, who apparently lives in London. The bailiffs are coming, knocking on the big brother door because he owes money. In other words, he's, uh, I think he's got about 1,400 quid outstanding on rent. So uh, that'll be nice. I'd like to see them dragged out. That would, that would make me happy in the big brother house. Which is not pulling the ratings. It's not doing the business. It's so funny because I thought they were saying, oh, it's going to do well. How many do you think for the, for the eviction on the Friday? Eight hundred, not even a million not even a million pit ditch the programme now. It's a disaster. A total and utter disaster. I'm hoping that the new owners of Channel 5 might start getting rid of some of this crap that they've bought into. Because you don't need it on the television. 800,000 people is pitifully awful. Test card gets more. It was, it was so funny because we had on Friday, as you... Was it, fr- was it Friday? Was it Friday? Friday. Was it, no, was it Thursday? I can't remember now. When did we have the Rajar meeting? Thursday or Friday? Thursday, we had the Rajar meeting. And for those of you who don't know, Rajar is where they, they, uh, all the radio stations in the country uh, have their, their audiences surveyed and they tell you what your audience figures are. And it's, it's always quite interesting. I, I like, I sort of like going to it. I'm, I'm kind of half and half. I mean, I'm lucky that at the time of the morning I'm on, there ain't no competition. <coughs> so I'm quite lucky in the fact that nobody's doing what I'm doing. There's a couple of poor old has-beens have tried to do it and failed miserably. They've had to take them off the radio. They were so bad. In fact, there's one poor bloke who is probably quite familiar in his own mind, who's just up the road from here. He's halved his audience. It's decimated completely. I mean, I don't want to mention any names because it would be, it would be cruel 
and, uh, and it provides us all with endless fun in this building in particular. But he's halved the audience. I mean, I didn't think it was actually possible to be that bad and lose the audience, especially when he, when he left here. Oh, sorry, when he, uh, when he um, came, came through the job centre. They, uh, they, they, they sort of said, I, I got an email in from a couple of his fan. And they were writing from Rampton. And they were saying, he's, he's going to be really big and he's going to really wipe your audience off the face of the earth. Well, of course, no such thing happened. Instead, it's had completely the adverse effect. He's halved it, which, of course, is great because I've got them. I've taken the audience. And that makes me very happy. So, so we were having this sort of, this sort of rage our meeting and they go through it and you have to... If your figures have gone up, you can sit there and bathe in a little bit of reflective glory. If they've gone down, then you have to sit there and going to suffer with everybody going, oh, thank God, that's him and not me. Luckily, I'm not in the position of them going down. They can only go up in the morning. They can only go up. They can't go... It's not physically possible for them to go down. It was like the old Elton John argument when his, when his boyfriend, Dave, said to him, you know, what happens when you stop selling records? You know, and the money stops coming in. He said, the money will never stop coming in. There will always be records being played. I went past somebody's flat the other day and somebody said, Gary Glitter lives there. I said, what, the Gary Glitter, Paul Gadd? He said, yes. I said, how does he... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Every time in the studio, I sneeze, we noticed. Uh, I said, how does he afford to live there? He said, royalties. I said, well, nobody's playing his records anymore, are they? I didn't think they were. So uh, that's... I'm always interested. Sting's selling one of his flats. 15 million. It's a house. It looks lovely for 15 million. It really does. We found a flat the other day that you can rent in London. Ollie told you about the Queen Mum's Castle of May, which we told you about yesterday because they had a big photo spread on it. And uh, the royal family have decided, now, now the old woman's gone, that they can start renting it out for 50 grand for the weekend. Which seems to me, I mean, that's, it's a shame, really, because all the fans of the Queen Mother will never get a chance to stay there. You can just go and visit because you're peasants, and they know that you're peasants. And so there's no chance, unless you win the lottery, you can afford 50 grand a week. So we found another place in Knightsbridge, which is beautiful. Well, Drake found this, and it's 50,000 a week for a six-bedroom penthouse with a lovely outside area. Oh, really lovely. You know, you can imagine sitting there on a balmy evening with a little portable barbecue thing, because I'm a big fan of barbecues, but not the big barbecues. I don't do gas barbecues, because you might as well stay in the kitchen and do the cooking. That seems a waste of time. We don't really have the weather here, but I'm a fan of the little ones that you throw away afterwards. So, in other words, it, you, so you buy this little cheap thing and it's got a bag full of stuff in the middle. You like that. And then you can do a couple of steaks and some sausages and some chicken and a banana in foil. And that's all you need to do. There's two of you. You don't need to sort of wheel out the barbecue and somebody stands there while the sort of the flames are sort of throwing themselves upwards into the sky. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm really not interested in that. I'm only interested in little barbecues. And then at the end of the day, you think, oh, I can't go and eat inside. Go and eat inside. Yesterday, I just had Uncle Ben's rice with bacon. And I quite liked that, actually. That was quite nice. I had that. And I've got addicted. Well, I've always been addicted to Hellman's uh, Real Mayonnaise. But this is Hellman's Real Mayonnaise with mustard in it. It's like a Dijon mustard. Oh, it's delicious. You can have it on anything. I mean, anything barring cornflakes. Anything barring cornflakes. So what's, what's the big story? What's the big story today, Steve? Can you tell us? On the sun... It's, uh, it's George, who is great at dribbling, good at dummies and plays for Palace. Yes, Prince George, apparently, at the age of one, is walking. This apparently is major news nowadays. I feel like phoning Stig Abel up and saying, you're not serious. I mean, the more interesting story on the front page is of the, the boob job model. She's a glamour model. I mean, there's nothing glamorous. She's, she's ugly. She's an ugly. But she had this, the boobs done, so she couldn't do it. And so they've given her community where I can't do it, can't do it. 
Why? Because they have to bend out and pick up wet leaves and stuff like that, and, and you get wet and I'm not doing it. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd throw the old bag in prison and leave it to rot there. Leave it to rot there. There was some bloke they had on... I love it. These, I'm addicted to the police camera action programmes. I'm addicted to watching them go around. And th- this week, they were in Hastings. Hastings was fantastic. I'll tell you exactly what went on in Hastings in a, in a moment, because I'll tell you, I've got to be a traffic cop. I've absolutely got to be... It's the best job in the whole wide world. This car that they've got, and they're all equipped with it now, has got the little computer... And if you go bing, 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 it means that your car is thrown up. And it will tell you on a series of lights around the outside in the boxes whether you've got, it says, check driver, tax, MOT, insurance. It tells you every single thing. It tells you if the driver's disqualified. You can find everything. Just bing, bing. That's all it is. I want one of these things. I'd have a field day. Excuse me, sir. Not to get out of your car. And it's amazing how many lies they tell. Fantastic. I'll tell you about the, uh, the angry man in a moment. It's quarter past four. Steve Allen. The Crowry and the team with you just after seven o'clock this morning. As Tony Blair claims we shouldn't blame him for the current unrest in Iraq, Nick will be asking, is this the former Prime Minister's fault? Plus are Cameron's comments about promoting British values actually offensive? And how do you know if your cat has diabetes? Nick will be talking to the owner of the first cat diabetes clinic, for answers. Is it really the cat's first? I mean, I, I know lots of vets deal with diabetic cats. How do you know if your cat's got diabetes? That's an odd one, isn't it? Very odd one. Very, very odd one. I speak with authority about diabetes. So anyway, so I'm watching this programme about the police and they pull this guy over because the, uh, the car's got uh, an L sticker on it, but he's not wearing a seatbelt. And he's a he's a middle aged man. He's probably because he obviously smoked. You could tell by that. Uh, he was probably aged, I would think, between about forty six and fifty five. Anyway, so the policeman pulls him in, and uh, the copper standing there. He says, um, "Let's get out of the car." And of course, they always get out of the car, and they stupidly stand in the road. He was a bit dim, this bloke. Anyway, he, he sort of comes onto the point. He said, "What did you stop me for?" He said, "Well, I'm I'm just checking." He said, "Are you are you a learner driver?" He said, no, 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 I've got a pass me test, he said. Uh, he said, but you weren't wearing your seatbelt. Yeah, I've just come from the shops. And he said, well, we've been following you for a mile. Uh, you didn't put your seatbelt on then. So, anyway, it's, uh, it's a 60, 60 pound fee. It's, it's a set fee. Don't worry, there's no things like, well, this bloke starts kicking off. Then the wife gets out of the car. She's, she's little Miss Gobby. Oh, my God, is she Gobby. What are you stopping for? What do you stop him for? And so, because she, she was obviously from somewhere else, China, I should imagine. But anyway, what are you stopping for? And so he said, because he wasn't wearing his seatbelt. You stop us for that? And the policeman goes, yes. 2,000 accidents a year are caused by people like you not wearing their seatbelts. So, yes, I have stopped him. It's a £60 fine. And then the other copper goes, oh, it's showing us no insurance. Yeah, well, that's where you're wrong, mate, goes this gobby driver. And the woman starts, yeah, that's where she's wrong. Every opportunity they thought... To, to pick on the policeman. How the policeman kept his temper, the camera hadn't been there, I should imagine he'd have flattened him into the road. Because he was going, yes, yeah, yes, one up to me, isn't it, mate? Because we have got insurance. We've got insurance. So he said, well, look, I'll just check. Yeah, why are you picking on me? Why don't you just come round my house and I'll show you the insurance document? So it, it keeps going on. And he's pointing his finger. He goes, I pay your wages, mate. You don't tell me what to do. And the policeman goes, well, actually, I think I do. And I'm telling you what to do now. You're not driving this vehicle at the moment until we've checked on the insurance. I've got insurance. You're going to look stupid, aren't you? And he starts shouting at the policeman. He's dancing around like a demented fairy. And I'm thinking, you know, if you had a taser, I'd have tasered him, uh, you know, hours before this. He's really getting on his high horse. Then somebody looks out their window and goes, shh. And he goes, because I ain't got no insurance, but I have, haven't I? So it's one up for me. He's going to make you look stupid, isn't it? 
and he, and he touches him on the shoulder. Well, at that moment, I'd have pinned him to the ground anyway. He would have been tasered. And so he goes on. And anyway, so, of course, it's hilarious. So he starts, he said, what are you doing? So I'm writing out the ticket for the £60. And so it's £60. OK, there's a ticket. Just like to sign there to say you've received it. OK, right. You wasted your... Why are you wasting my time? This bloke's arguing backwards and forwards. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Because I'm thinking to yourself, and you're on camera, and you're being made to look as though you really are as thick as a brick. And this girlfriend with your wife or whatever, she's even dumber than you are. She's chipping in. And he goes, see, I've got insurance. So they get on the phone to the RAC and they go, right, OK. OK, I'll, I'll tell him that, thank you. So he says, see, I told you I've got insurance. He said, no, you haven't. He said, yes, I have. He said, uh, did you fill it in on the internet? Yes, he goes sneeringly. So the copper with a big smile goes, you filled it in incorrectly, didn't you? You put down the wrong car number. So in other words, you've got the car, but you've got one of the letters wrong. Well, immediately, that little, little midget man with the attitude, it kind of stopped him in his tracks a bit. Yeah, but I have got insurance, and I... Not on this car, you haven't. With another car, with a different... You need to speak to the RAC as quickly as possible. OK, because if I see you out on another day and you don't have any insurance, I'll be taking the car away from you. And so, <laughs> so he has to admit... And even then, even after he was told, you filled it in on the internet, he, he, he just refused to accept the fact that he'd made the mistake. He was so dumb. So off he toddles. And, of course, I mean... And the coppers get in the car and they have a good old laugh at him. They go, admittedly, we did wind him up a little bit. But it was even funnier because they then pull another guy in because the car is showing as having no MOT. Because everything cops, pops up on this, this computer at the front of the police car. I so want to go out in a police car. And so it ping, ping. So they, they turn around and they, they follow the guy and they go, hello. It was a policewoman. They're always fairly good. Well, mostly good. Uh, I encountered one years ago. If you remember, Do you remember, did I tell you? When I used to have a scooter... Long, long time ago. I wasn't a mod or anything like that. I just had a, had a scooter. And I'm going through uh, one of the royal parks down the road from me. And I get through there and I get to the big roundabout at the end of Bushy Park. And uh, a police car pulls me. Because I'm on my scooter. I've got my helmet on and I'm right. I'm, I'm legal. I've got insurance and all the rest of it. What did she do me for? Not having a strap done up underneath my helmet. Not having the strap done up. I mean, it's almost like I saw some people riding scooters the other day and they were riding with T-shirts and shorts on. And I kept thinking, if you have an accident, you've broken your legs immediately. Do you seriously think people are going to ride motorbikes with a pair of shorts on? They're far too sensible, most of them. And uh, so she pulls me and I go, um, well, what for? And she goes, I noticed you didn't have your motorcycle helmet done up underneath. The strap wasn't done up. I wasn't even aware it was an offence, to be brutally honest. So she gave me this thing to go to the local police station and produce my documents, which is fine. So I, I go into the police station in Twickenham, and I said, I've been asked to produce my driving documents. And he said, what, what we stopped for? I said, I didn't have my strap done up underneath my helmet. And he went, oh, dear. He said, she made you produce documents for that? I said, yeah. I said, is she known for that kind of thing? He said, mm, well, I can't possibly comment. Anyway, blow me down. Less than six months later, she was kicked out of the police force. Drug dealing. Drug dealing, she was. <laughs> Hilarious. I laughed. I laughed. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes, yeah, so we were talking about these, uh, these police camera stop programmes. And they're actually really, really good. But you feel immensely sorry for the coppers. They pull this guy over because he's showing us no... Um, no MOT. And they always come up with the same lies. He goes, um, yeah, I'm just on my way to get it MOT'd now. 
He's like, no, you're not. You're just lying. Why are you lying? The police can find this. So, you know, where, where are you booked into? Oh, it's just, there's an MOT place down the road. What's it called? So you're booked in, are you? What's it called? They don't know what it's called. Anyway, so they go back to the car and they try and get some more details on him. It turns out, you know, hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. He's disqualified. <laughs> he's driving whilst disqualified. So, of course, he's immediately arrested. Immediately arrested. And, uh, and you have to laugh. Because they're so dumb, these people. They, they th- seriously think that the police have got better things to do than chase idiots ar- around the roads. In Australia, they're very benevolent. They seem to actually give them the benefit of the doubt most of the time, except when they're drunk, and you do seem to get a lot of drunk Aussies. Have you seen the new Sky Sports 5 channel advert Beckham is doing? Says Dean. Um, no, I'm a bit bored with David Beckham, I'm afraid. I suddenly worked out the other day, I suddenly worked out that they don't use David Beckham for any commentary at all. You would have thought, part of the World Cup, Davy Boy Beckham, good incentive. No, nobody's ever booked him, because I think if you put him with a group of other footballers, he's going to come over as a bit dim. If you notice, they never put him on any panel shows, they never put anything except where he's sitting there looking like a complete dork having his picture taken. That's all it is. It's David in his pants, David with his tattoos, David with his aftershave, David trying to look mean and moody, and then he opens his mouth and you just die laughing. You die laughing at the squeaky little voice. But they never use him for any commentary. You thought the BBC or whoever with loads of money would be falling over themselves. David Beckham's on it. No, they don't use him for anything at all, because I think, obviously, somebody... No, don't, don't put him up there. It'll make him look silly. Because he, he, he won't know how to deal with it. All he does is he's just a dim footballer who kicked a ball around for a few years and then, then got lucky, scored with that beautiful-looking bird. That, honestly, it wasn't that one. No, he, he married Victoria. That's right. And, uh, and then they had lots and lots of children, a bit like a litter. And then they pushed them into the modelling and into the limelight. And then they started spreading stories that one of them was working as a barista, whereas, in fact, he wasn't. He was collecting cups and saucers from the tables. And then that didn't last very long. That's all finished. And then the Beckhams were pictured yesterday out in Victoria, but it was taken, I think, about a week ago. And they both look as miserable as sin. They both look so depressed. You begin to wonder whether or not, you know, he actually likes her or she likes him. Because you never see her hanging onto his arm. or They just look miserable. They just, one of these days, you would think, I mean, you would think, if you've got that much money, and you're making that much money, that you'd be really, really happy, wouldn't you? You'd be bouncing along going, hi, everybody. No, little Mr and Mrs Misery. But now I've had enough of them. Now I'm bored. I couldn't give a stuff about her fashion. I couldn't give a flying forex about David and his pants. And it's just rubbish. It's really rubbish. I'm, I'm more interested in the actor who voiced... Captain Scarlet dying at the age of 86. Francis Matthews, who was Paul Temple. Um, he was, I mean, he was such a nice actor. I never interviewed him. Never interviewed him. But he died the other day, 86. And Casey Kasem, a legendary uh, voice in syndicated radio programmes. He d- used to do, do his uh, top 20. He would send them around the world, recorded in Hollywood. And he would send them around the world on album. And when I was out in Vienna, we used to play the Casey Kasem show. And they switched his life support off. The family decided they wanted to turn the life support off because it was absolutely going nowhere, I'm afraid. But uh, he died the other day. I think he was about 82. But a big name in, in broadcasting around the world. The Casey Kasem show was heard in more countries than I care. Probably even more countries than this programme, ladies and gentlemen. Probably had an even bigger audience. Not like that. Half an audience that other poor presenters struggling with. I mean, dear God, have you heard the show? Nope, nobody has. Uh, time now, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Apparently Hastings is very windy. Well, it's all those elderly people, isn't it? Definitely. And Len says, I'm going to complain. You've turned me into an insomniac. Go on, complain. Do your worst. 
see if I care. <laughs> I was going to bring you some, some scams this morning on the programme, only because I, I just felt like bringing you scams on the programme this morning. Uh, and then I got angry about this old bimbo in the paper today, a so-called model. She's not a model, she's not glamorous enough to be a model. She's got a hard, minging face, and uh, she's had various things against her. She's not a very pleasant person, but I can't physically do community service. I hate it. They make you pick litter up in the rain from eight till four. It's horrible and too hard. Well, have you broken the law? Ugly bird, get out there and do the time. You have to do it. I'm terribly sorry. I'm a bit bored with people like you, with your badly bleached hair and your bad makeup and your cheap, tacky little ways. I bet you anything she turns up on telly this morning. I bet you anything this morning will have booked her. That's what they do. They, they book these sort of people and we point and laugh at them because they're a bit stupid. You know what she is. I mean, they might as well just go to phone boxes and take cards out and bring them all in. Awful, 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 awful. Um, what else was I going to find for you in the papers this morning? The only reason that we sort of we go through... Oh, there's a little picture of Anthea Turner, obviously now going out with her own photographer. So one minute she looks as rough as anything. The next minute she still looks as rough as anything, but she's changed her hairstyle. So obviously she has to sort of spend ages blow-drying it. It's a bit dreary, isn't it, really? And uh, as, as we said, when we saw the first picture, Frizz, she's jolly good fellow... Frizz a jolly good fan. Oh, sorry, it goes on. OK, because her, her hair was all frizzy. But, I mean, Anthea, is she working? Does she do anything? Does she still tell us how to fold towels? Does she still tell us... And I did laugh the other day. Rochelle Humes and, um, and her husband, apparently they said, they're the new Richard and Judy. Oh, what, what? No show, no audience? Surely not. And they went, oh, yeah, because they're taking over. While, while Pip Schofield goes on holiday, please God, for a bit longer than the summer, uh, and Holly Willoughby... Uh, Eamon Holmes and his uh, gorgeous, stunningly attractive wife uh, will be doing this morning's programme. So Eamon will sit there looking like he's eaten the sofa, falling asleep, but desperately trying to stay awake. And she'll sort of do it. And they'll do a little bit. Of, he'll do a bit of his old sort of double entendre. And it'll be very funny. But on the Friday, they've given it to Rochelle and Marvin. And they go, and they're the new Richard and Judy. No, if they were the new Richard and Judy, you'd be doing Monday to Friday, love. But uh, you're not. You're just doing the, uh, the bit fill-in at the end of the week. Do you think, actually, one day Eamon Holmes might stop doing television? Do you think so? He's, he's definitely getting bigger. He doesn't look like he's losing weight anytime soon. Uh, Simon Cowell will use a new X Factor Judge Mel B as a buffer between Cheryl Cole and Louis Walsh. They're trying to drum up some interest in this lame programme. You know that Louis will sit there looking a bit Botoxed. He'll be quite happy he'll sit there. You really nailed it. You made that song your own. You're going to be a big star. That'll be the last you ever hear of them. Because I was going through the Sunday papers, and guess who's going out on tour? Shane Phelan, Phelan, who was the lead singer of Westlife. Now, you remember, Shane is a bankrupt, lost all his money in a property thing, but the case was heard over here. I've got no idea why, apart from I thought it was more beneficial for him. And then he brought out a single, which one of our producers here featured in the video. Do you remember? Featured in the video. And, uh, and that didn't do anything, I don't think, the single. He appeared on everything, even with Louis Walsh on one of the programmes. And now he's going out on tour. Now, I can't help feeling, and I don't want to be rude, because I think he'd make quite a good interview for In Conversation, because when you've had everything and you've lost millions, it kind of means things are looking a bit, uh, bit pear-shaped. So he's going out on tour, and I've looked at some of the venues. They're not the biggest venues under the sun, but surely nobody's going to go and see him. They, he was part of Westlife. You know, if Westlife were going out on tour, then that would be different. So what if Mark saved his money? I'd like to think that they've all saved a bit, because Mark, I don't know what Mark's done. Since he left uh, Westlife, he had a boyfriend, and uh, and then then they finished, and then I'm assuming he must be with somebody else now. But I'm hoping that he saved his money. 
I'm hoping he saved his money. I don't like to think that people have earned money in the business and then they, then they lose it. That's, that worries me more than anything. Uh, Noreen said, can you wish Tracy a very happy birthday from her friends? Famous for spotting Chantelle in the Chinese with her own camera crew. Yes. Do you remember that? Chantelle goes into a, into a Chinese takeaway, but getting out the same car as her photographer... Because that's what they do now. I mean, you know what a fraud Chantelle is. That's why she was the fake person when she went into Big Brother. They put her in there to try and pretend she was a member of a, of a girl band. Well, as you know, Little Miss Misery. And God knows she is the most miserable person ever me. She's got, she's got downward-turned mouth, which means she looks fed up and miserable most of the time. And that's why nothing ever lasts with her. She can't hang on. But, of course, it all revolves around her child, which she had with Alex cross-dressing Reed. And then she was pictured in a park with that... Uh, Rav Wilding bloke, or whatever his name is, who uh, I don't like anyway. I think he's got a nasty streak to him. In fact, as she found out to her cost, and yet the BBC still employ him. And yet that benefit fraudster, who used to feature on Rogue Traders, the one with the motorcycle, they dumped him as fast as they could. And yet they still keep on a few other people on the BBC. And uh, Dawn French and revisiting your childhood home, I did, and I found a lot of things out I would never have known if I hadn't revisited family's previous home, says Noreen. So there you go. You see, you can find things out. You can. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it very much indeed. Jan, yes, you're quite right. It is that person. It is that person. And um, Cliff Richard, uh, you know, after Morrissey cancelling all those gigs, you know, because he was ill, including the Cliff one. And he was going to appear on June 21st in New York City. Well, wait no longer, ladies and gentlemen, because Cliff um, is going to be still going ahead with that gig. He's still doing it. Yeah, big up Cliff, eh? Big up Harry. Uh, he's going to be doing an evening with Sir Cliff, with Keith Heyman and Susie Furlonger, and chat with Phil Silverstone, an ex-Londoner living in Philadelphia, a lifelong Cliff fan who hosts Time Out with Phil Silverstone and Cliff Notes on TuneIn.com. There's no admission fee. 6.30 the doors. Priority for fans with proof of purchase to the Morrissey Barclay Centre show on the first-come, first-served basis. You've got to, so that's in New York, isn't it, at the Gramercy Theatre? So Cliff is determined his fans will see him after all. So there you go. He's going to be doing it. It'll be a slightly different sort of thing. Slightly different sort of thing. What did I see the other day on the... Te- oh, I saw that dreadful, dreadful Jack Whitehall. You know, he doesn't write any of his own material. Did you know that? It's all written for him. He drags his poor, sad, just-about-to-go-and-arrest-home father onto this show. And they put Andy Murray's mother on. God, she was boring. And Jonathan Ross who now just looks like a fat old man without a TV programme. I always think that if you've been a main presenter for so long, the one thing you cannot do, because it makes you look a bit desperate, is appear on somebody else's show. You can't go, you know, so if they were doing blankety-blank, you can't put Terry Wogan in blankety-blank, because he, he used to host it. It would look like he was really desperate. So when you see Jonathan Ross popping up as a guest, you go, but wait a minute, you were the main presenter, and now you're having to turn up as a guest. Looks terribly bad. I worry about things like that. I really do. And um, I didn't know Big Brother was on uh, Channel 5. Yes. Is it Channel 5 Big Brother's on? Yeah, it is. Yes. They, they, they bought the rights to it. And welcome to it. They were. But the audience is so small. So small. But they still don't know that, the, uh, that Helen Wood is the hooker. They don't know who she is. Although she has admitted that, I think the other night, that she could be a bit of a bitch. Bit of a bitch. Have you heard the language from it? The language. Dear, you couldn't even take it anywhere near any navvies. They'd be shocked at how butch and disgusting she is. R.I.P. Casey Kasem, Sam Kelly and Captain Scarlet. Yes, it's an eight. Mind you, they did well. 
My goodness me, they did well. Phew, blimey, did they ever do well? Did they ever do well in their 80s, which is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, so here they all are, sitting on the panel. And it'll look with uh, Louis, then you'll have Mel B, and then Cheryl, way A, because I'm worth it. Your, old, your, your new single's rubbish, by the way. And then Simon Cowell. There's obviously some deal that they have to put an old picture of Simon Cowell in there because he looks so Botox now. And it's such a shame because he's got such a good face. But because he smokes, he's ageing. He's beginning to look like Robbie Williams. And you know how badly Robbie Williams has aged. Not good at all. Oh, a little picture of um, a little Joey Essex. The second instalment of the remedial bloke goes out there. Little Mr Thicko. And uh, he's meeting up with uh, some people in Brazil. This is just ahead of, uh, of Towie's return. Same old has-beens, isn't it, really? And that, and poor old Joey Essex, I mean, just die. It's an embarrassment to watch, really. I suppose you have to laugh at the fool, don't you? And uh, who's this? Who is this? Oh, this is the big, the big Brother contestant. You won't have heard of him. His, uh, his, name is, um, his name is Mark Byron. He's from Liverpool and he's desperately unattractive. And uh, he owes money. He's already been on some TV shows before. I do hope the taxman looks very carefully at this one here. But he owes 1,414. The landlord said he had to go to court after a failed payment left him unable to pay his mortgage. He said he had my spare room. He moved in during May last year. I advertised it on a couple of room rental sites. I used them in the past. Never had any trouble except with him. So he's also appeared on The X Factor. Oh, dear. In other words, he's been a failure on two other programmes and now he's appearing on Big Brother as yet another failure. I, don't, I, I, I tell you who's actually hooked on, uh, on Big Brother, Kay Burley. She loves it. She loves it. Although we, we both agreed yesterday, it's unusual, we don't normally agree on things, we both agreed that the black woman on it, P, I think her name, I can't remember her name is, she was so aggressive the other day and we both agreed that she's quite clearly got some issues. She was shouting over the top of somebody. Helen, Helen Woods is just vile. And Kay Burley didn't know who she was either. I had to tell her, I said, that's, that's the Wayne Rooney hooker. That's that, that woman from years ago who's come back now and, um, and thinks she's, she's displaying, you know, some sort of virtue on the programme. She's not. She comes over as horrible. Scams. Shall I tell you about some scams in a moment? You're going to love some of them, because what I, what I want to do is I want to, uh, I want to help you. You know, I'm a nice person, and uh, I thought, if I warn you about scams, and we could do the myths and everything else, then you'll at least go at the end of the programme. Well, it was Monday, there wasn't a great deal in the newspapers, so Prince George has walked, you know, like children do. And, uh, and Steve could have brought us something else, but no, that was the best he could manage in the papers. And then we weren't sure about ISIS, and we weren't sure if the pictures were dummied up, and we have to ask the big questions. Do you think Twickenham and Richmond Council would get off their fat bums today and get out there and jet-wash the ISIS words, which have appeared on windows all over the place? Uh, obviously from some loony from Hounslow, I should imagine. That's where most of them seem to come from nowadays. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Twelve minutes to five. So, some myths. Myths. We like myths. And um, all companies, businesses and organisations are legitimate because they're approved and monitored by the government. Not always true. All internet websites are legitimate. Not always true. Did you sit... Well, I must mention this because I was fascinated. I can't remember what it's called, but it's on MTV. And it's, it's obviously a series where they go around exposing people on the internet. And it might be called cactus or something. Anyway, whatever it is, last night it featured a girl, for the purpose of this programme, we'll call her Molly Weir. 
Molly, Molly Window, OK? And Molly Window is a very pretty blonde girl, and she's on the internet, and she's writing to these men. She goes up there, you know, I live in Wisconsin, blah, 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 and people start writing to Molly. And she's got pictures of her on holiday, Molly here, Molly there, and people write into her. And one, one particular guy, called Trevor, for the purposes of this programme, has been writing to Molly for two years. He's never spoken to her. Never spoken. She doesn't have a telephone. She's got the internet, and so she communicates, and he'll go, Hi, babe, how are you doing? And she'll write back, Hi, really missing you. For two years they were speaking. For two years. And then the people at MTV, who make this programme, obviously decide to check out who these people are. So there is a system on the internet whereby you can put somebody's photo in, and you can check it to see whether or not that photograph has been used on the internet before. So they put this picture of Molly into their search, they click on it, and up she comes on Facebook. But her name's not Molly, it's Tanya. And what somebody has done is lifted Tanya's pictures from five years ago from Facebook, and they've used them as Molly. So they contact some of the people who've been writing to Molly, and say, listen, we're doing this thing, we're, we're curious... But we're making a documentary. In fact, it turns out to be a regular series. Finding out um, who it is you're talking to, because the person you think is, is Molly is really Tanya. It's Tanya's pictures. So would you like us to find out? Four of the guys came back. Yeah, we'd li- like to find out. And one of them, who's, uh, who's very interesting, he says, yeah, he says, I've been talking to her for two years. And they've checked back over his history. And they've looked at all the things he's been saying. And uh, sometimes the chat's got a bit saucy bit naughty you know a little bit not too far but just a bit naughty and uh, molly's been asking him questions about you've got any you know photo shots of you on holiday and on the beach and all that kind of stuff anyway two years he's never spoken to her so the crew from mtv from this program um write to her and say listen would you like to meet this guy and molly writes back and says listen i would love to but i fear he'd be disappointed you know what's coming don't you <laughs> Molly. So they go there. They go to this. Eventually, Molly agrees to meet them. And so they say, listen, we will come with him so we can film it and all the rest of it. OK. OK. So, of course, Molly turns out to be a black gay guy who lives with his grandparents. And he's been doing this for years, about five years. He's been taking somebody else's identity and talking to blokes, straight blokes, who think he's a woman and... And so I said, well, how many, how many people have you spoken to, you know, on a regular basis? He said, about a hundred. A hundred blokes out there in America thought they were talking to this blonde woman. They weren't. They were talking to this black gay guy who said, he said, I just, I just wanted to, to talk to people, he said, because I'm sort of a bit isolated. And he was in this sort of kind of hick town. But, uh, of course, what was horrifying is that they took the guy who'd been for two years. It'd be like, you know, me sort of coming in, the producer saying, I've got something to tell you. And I go, yeah, what? And he undoes a zip at the back of his head and takes off this huge mask, and he's a lizard underneath. I'll be going, you never told me you were a lizard. You know, I could have understood it, but, but you never told me. And it's as, it's as, he stood there, this, this guy, and they were going, so how do you feel? He said, I don't know how I feel. He said, I thought... And it, do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Tootsie, where Dustin Hoffman, as a straight man, falls in love with this other woman, Julie, who's working on the programme. She likes him as Tootsie, 
because she can talk and all the rest of it. And the moment Tootsie makes a move, she freaks and goes through the roof. And then at the end, when it turns out that it is, in fact, Dustin Hoffman dressed up as a woman, looking like Dustin Hoffman dressed up as a woman, and he says, she says, well, listen, I'm, I'm Miss Dorothy. And he said, well, she's still here. i just got to learn to do it without the clothes and the wig and everything else. And that's what this bloke... That's what this bloke was sort of doing. He, he was sort of saying, I would hope that they would fall for me. And you're going, well, they're not going to. They're heterosexual. They're not going to fall for a black gay guy, are they? It's just not happening. And they had a couple of his girlfriends there. And it, it was very interesting because I thought, this must go on all the time. In fact, I know it goes on all the time because if you remember, and here's the downside. Here's the downside. We've seen it twice. We've seen it twice where a, a young lad got coerced on the internet into doing something to what he thought was a girl in the Philippines. It turns out to be a gang who then threatened to blackmail him and he threw himself off a bridge and killed himself. And in America, I think it was a show over there. And the show was, I've got a secret. And they brought somebody on. They said, oh, they, they, they brought this sort of redneck guy on and they said, listen, somebody's got a crush on you. Who is it? And he was getting all excited and they bring on a gay guy. Well, anyway, this straight guy ended up shooting him dead. And uh, the whole thing had disastrous consequences. The programme's called Catfish. Thank you. Catfish. It's just absolutely, you know, amazing that there must be people out there. Well, in fact, I know there are on a daily basis who are pretending to be somebody that they're not. They hide behind an identity. And this guy had spent two years talking to what he thought was a blonde girl who he thought could be his ideal girlfriend. And it turns out that there was no chance it was ever going to be his girlfriend. I mean, he looked at one point suicidal because it was he'd been embarrassed on television. Even though he went along with it and he agreed to do it, it just emerges that for two years you've been hoodwinked. For two years you've been hoodwinked into thinking you were talking to this blonde, very attractive girl who somebody just lifted the photographs, and that's all it was. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And then they said at the end, oh, there'll be more tomorrow. I thought, can't wait for tomorrow. Can't wait. And so also, it's then women pretending to be men, and oh, so it goes on. It's very confusing. Uh, Steve, I've just woken up, only half heard what you said. Did you say Prince George has walked? By that, do you mean he's left the royal family like a celeb, leaving the Big Brother house? Well, if he's got any sense, yes. <laughs> if he's got his sense. <laughs> uh, the guy's called Neve, who presents uh, Catfish. Um, Nick says, uh, I didn't see it on Saturday. I didn't see it. We've all asked questions, though. What the Dickens is going on? Um, this is uh, a programme on the television. We'll keep it between ourselves. You should watch uh, a programme called, says Malcolm, Road Rage Britain, if you want a real laugh. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. Paul in Twickenham says, I assume the NatWest ISIS graffiti was a misspelled advert for ISIS. Well, that's what I thought. No, it's this, um, it's this terror group in Iraq. Francis Matthews was at school with my mum in Leeds. He married actress Gemma Jones, Bridget Jones's mum. Local people ever so proud of what he achieved and how well he did. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was just one of those nice people. I've, I've got him on, um, on DVD as, uh, as Paul Temple, which is good. Uh, Johnny G says, my hamster's got type 2. My vet told him to plug his wheel into the mains to trim his waistline. <laughs> Our hamster used to come alive at night, which apparently they do. Sleep during the daytime, just when you want to play with the blooming thing. And, uh, and then it comes, um, it, sorry, it comes, uh, comes alive at night. So all we hear from downstairs, 
as the wheel turned round. Oh, to drive us mad. Drive us mad. A friend of mine went out last night. He's had to go to work this morning. And uh, he can't remember half the night because he was a bit tiddly. And he's at work now and he's just sent me a text saying, this is a struggle. <laughs> we told him it would be. We told him it would be. Uh, right, what have we got? Four minutes to five. So, um, there are shortcuts to wealth that only a few people know. Have you seen these adverts? This is a secret thing. If you've got a secret way of making loads of money, why would you want to share it with people unless it's to make yourself even richer? It's like the pyramid selling. Scams are always about money. Not always true. Not always true. Sometimes it's identity, which can then be used fraudulently. And there are all sorts of scams. Mass market fraud on scam mail. Investment scams. People are terribly greedy nowadays. The door-to-door scams. You know, I mean... I used to say, if somebody knocks at your door, you want to see identification. But the trouble is, you can dummy it up on the internet now. You don't need to be that clever. You just need to dummy it up. I mean, never let anybody into your house. You know, if you're in any doubt, you put the chain on the door, if you're lucky enough to have a chain on the door. Or you say, wait a minute, I'll just go and get my neighbour. And if they're still there when you come back, you know that they're, uh, they're OK. Don't agree to any offer whatsoever. And this applies to elderly people. Somebody comes in and they go, listen, we can, we can put you in a fire extinguisher here or this and that, and it'll be about £10,000. And wait a minute, I'll see if I can get you my boss on the line. He said you can have it today for seven, but you've got to sign today. Sign nothing. Sign nothing. I love it when they go round and they catch these fraudulent salesmen there. You know, the moment a camera crew appears, they can't get out of the house quick enough. Also, be very, very wary of giving to people who stand there rattling a tin. Do not assume that somebody rattling a tin outside Marks and Spencer's is authorised or failing that is even from a genuine charity. You know, but you can't actually check everybody out, can you? But I would always check if anybody was in outside Marks and Spencer's. I'd be saying to the manager, do you know if those people are genuine out there? Just because they stand there and show you an ID card, a lot of them are fraudulent. And they always go where there are, where there are crowds. So just confirm. It's always worth phoning the charity. Have you got a number for the charity? I'll phone them to check and see whether you're supposed to be collecting in the area. There are lots of dating and romance scams, aren't there? Have you heard of these ones? Dating sites, you know, you know, rich Russian women want to meet you. No, desperate old tarts from a country that can't wait to get out of want to meet anybody. Uh, banking and payment card scams. Mobile, f- mobile phone scams. Oh! <gasps> Oh, they're legendary. So we'll go into those later on. The health and the medical scams, the internet scams, the psychic and clairvoyant scams. You'll like these ones. You'll like these ones. Because what they do, and you see them do it on the television all the time, don't you? You see people doing what they call cold reading. Cold reading is fumbling in the dark. You know, you watch all these people on the television, they go, oh, wait a minute, does the name George mean something? You go, George what? Well, give us a surname. That would prove that you're genuine. But, of course, they're not. They're just fraudulently obtaining money from people who will go down any old route and will happily hand over all sorts of stuff just to believe they've had a message from the other side. It's a load of old hooky, ladies and gentlemen. Plenty more to come on your first early morning breakfast show of the week with Steve Allen. Don't despair as Lisa Aziz is here at 6.30. What does that mean? What does that make me feel? Don't worry if you think this is rubbish. Lisa Aziz will be along at 6.30. I'm not saying that line ever again. The NHS is having to reinforce beds and widen corridors to cope with obese patients. Oh, push them outside. And according to The Telegraph, hospitals in England are also buying specialist equipment to keep bodies cool because too many are too big to fit into the mortuary fridges. Kelly Brook admits her whirlwind romance with David McIntosh took her by surprise. Yes, we were all a bit surprised by that one. And Cliff Richard is going to be doing that concert, whether you want it or not. This is LBC. I'm Steve Allen. All that and more is next. 
This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. So, uh, we're still playing football, apparently. Badly, but we're still playing it, nevertheless. And we've got two more games to go, even though I don't understand anything about World Cup. I have no idea how it works. I thought if you lost the first game, then technically you should be out, because you're obviously not much cop. And then, no, we've got another game to play Thursday, and apparently, even if we lose that one, we've still got one more game to play. Also, three times we're going to have to prove how bad we are at football. Anyway, front page of one of the papers today, Rooney scores at last... He expects to be scoring him when England play against Uruguay. I mean, whether it happens or not, I don't know. But uh, poor old uh, Colleen has been targeted by the internet trolls because she was saying how well they all did. No, they didn't, dear. They lost. Perhaps she's watching another game. Perhaps she's in Fantasyland or something. All of that and the specialist equipment to keep bodies cool because people nowadays are too fat to fit into mortuary fridges. When I watched the programme about Gibraltar, Yes, uh, last week. It's a programme on Gibraltar and how British it is. It just looked like a load of old chavs over there who probably having their benefits diverted. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, I've never seen so many fat, overweight people in one place, apart from America, where they really are ginormous. And it's all to do with the, with the food. It's all to do with the portion. So over there they go, oh, it's got everything that Britain's got. Fish and chip shops, kebabs, you know, all the bad stuff. All the bad stuff. It really was... And so many obese people just in Gibraltar. It was like going to visit to South End for the day. So scams, I thought we'd look at as well this morning. And um, also Kelly Brook, who's in a few of the papers, droning on to anybody who'll listen about her whirlwind romance. They describe him as former soldier David McIntosh. What he does now, God alone knows. But uh, she describes the engagement as the most humbling, beautiful moment of her life. Shows what a dull existence has been up until now. So, in other words, all those modelling jobs and all the other men she's been out with, and there's quite a catalogue, that apparently doesn't, doesn't even match up to David McIntosh, the man who's got as many naff tattoos as poor old Davy Boy Beckham. Also, the NHS, in, in light with making the mortuary fridges bigger, they're having to reinforce beds and widen corridors. Can't just leave them in the car park. Bring him in by crane. There was a bloke buried in America recently in a piano case. They couldn't find anything big enough to bury him in. And I began to think it's, you know, we've had a few people over here, haven't we? They've had to sort of knock out the front of houses to get them out. And I always think, you know, if somebody's that big, I mean, why don't you just sort of watch what they're eating? And they try. And then they go in, they have gastric bands fitted, and then, then their friends smuggle them in food. Then there was one bloke who was having it all liquidised. you remember? Kentucky Fried Chicken liquidised so that he could eat it and get through the fact they'd wired his jaws up. Very worrying. Just a couple more scams to keep you going throughout the morning, because they're everywhere. And you might have, you might have fallen for some of these. For example, there's a, a romance scam. Now, I read about these all the time in the paper. And uh, if it sounds too good to be true, that old adage is always to the fore. It is too good to be true. If it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. But there's a 60-year-old lady here who was scammed out of some money in only two months. She went on to an online dating site. Now, bearing in mind there are a lot of fraudulent online dating sites. She befriended a man over the following weeks. They developed a close relationship via emails and phone calls. She, he portrayed himself to be a, a Dutch businessman who earned his living supplying and fitting computers. He told her his partner had died and said he was estranged from family and friends. And he'd moved to the UK a year ago, bringing his young daughter with him. So, in other words, it, it's, it fits a pattern. It fits a pattern. He claimed that whilst abroad on business, his daughter had been injured in a hit-and-run accident. How lucky. I mean, how lucky. Anyway, he only required £9,500 for an operation in hospital. He didn't ask for the money directly. 
but claimed to have borrowed so much from the bank and that he had no-one else to turn to for help. He very subtly and very cleverly manipulated her into taking a position of responsibility for his daughter's welfare, who, of course, as you now know, does not exist. She wrestled with her conscience, and while she didn't want to give her hard-earned money to a stranger, she didn't want to leave a child to fend for herself. She wanted to pay the hospital directly, but was told they needed cash in advance. Having verified this on lane, online, she arranged money transfers. Then the man said he needed... <laughs> this is where they upped the ante, because once they've got nine and a half grand out of you, they know that they can get the rest. He wanted four and a half, forty-four and a half thousand pounds for his business, and further money for his accommodation and transport home. She told him she couldn't help and suggested other places to try, but with no success. He told her it was his responsibility to sort the money out, but claimed he had nowhere else to go. She perceived him to be kind and gentle, uh, if a bit naive. He talked about much of the times they'd soon better spend together, getting to know one another away from such difficulties. He asked her, uh, asked her to meet his return flight at Birmingham Airport so they could go to the bank together to return her money. Having received almost £60,000 in cash... He failed to arrive at the airport and she was left £60,000 out of pocket. And you can't help feeling dumb, dumb, dumb. But we've all been there, haven't we? I've admitted to falling to scams in the past. Not now. Absolutely not now. Anything I get that says, you know, your account has been suspended, give us the details. I don't bother with things like that. There is a courier scam as well and this is this one's very popular at the moment and I only mention it because if you've got elderly parents and sometimes elderly parents don't like to tell you that they've been scammed this is a 65 year old man he was uh, conned out of 12 grand the scammers purchased the use of an 0845 number okay which you can do they then contacted potential victims details of whom they'd obtained and researched on the internet on phoning the victim they stated they were from a bank they left an 0845 number with the victim to try and make their call look more legitimate the victim contacted what they thought was their bank on the 0845 number supplied which was in fact diverted to the scammer's mobile phone the scammer had sufficient details about the victim about the victim to build up trust during the conversation the scammer cleverly managed to get the victim to divulge their security information and their pin don't ever, ever, ever give your pin to anybody over the telephone. I don't care whether you're 9 or 90. The scammer then persuaded the victim the account was at risk and that they would dispatch a courier to collect the cards and take them to the bank for examination. An unsuspecting courier was booked online by the scammer using stolen credit card data. The scammer then tracked the package containing the credit cards to a delivery address. The scammer took possession of the package from the courier. Once in their possession, they checked the balance of the victim's account at an ATM and then bought high-value goods to sell on to obtain cash. And that's what they do nowadays. Don't ever, ever... You're probably thinking, wait a minute, we've got a courier coming round this morning to get the cards checked. No, no, no. If, if in doubt, don't ever take somebody's word that this is the number for the bank. You go direct to the bank. I mean, I have my bank's number in here. I know the manager. I know everything. So I can always deal with them directly. And you must always do the same thing. Uh, there are also health and medical scams. I mean, remember, so-called cure products may not be the real thing and in some cases can damage your health. Uh, never buy medicines or any other treatments without seeking advice from a healthcare professional. They offer it all the time on the internet. I get no end of medical things that come into my spams. Uh, ask yourself, is the promise or offer too good to be true? And if you're being sold a product, check the company is reputable prior to purchase. It's like buying stuff on Amazon. I'm convinced that some of the stuff on Amazon is fake. Totally convinced. It's not possible to check all these things. Because sometimes you buy something, I don't know, is that real or is that a copy? 
It's very difficult. It's like buying on eBay, isn't it? If it's if 90%, I believe, 90% on eBay of so-called, you know, top-end goods are, in fact, fakes. And they did a piece in the paper. Paul will be interested in this one. In Manchesterford, whole row of shops opposite Old Trafford, all boarded up and locked up. Nope. Behind the boardings up, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest counterfeit market you've ever seen. They did it in the Sunday papers, and they were showing you how much stuff. The, the guys be standing there on mobile phones. You want to do some shopping? And you go, yeah, I'd like to do some shopping. You go through there, everything fake. Fake watches, fake computer bags, fake handbags, fake rugby tops, fake football tops, absolutely fake everything. Under the very noses of the police in Manchesterford. 84850 Steve at uk. It's amazing how many of you... I watch a programme called Catfish, and it turns out that most of you appear to be watching this, uh, this, this programme. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, really? Absolutely amazing. Uh, Ellie says, The story of the black gay boy pretending to be a blonde girl really shocked me. At times, the internet really scares me. I stopped adding friends on Facebook, and I only have followers. Too many cheats and fakes. Yeah. It is true, it is true. So what did we cull from some of the Sunday papers? I'll run through those in a, in a moment. Some of them are, are good stories, some of them are very... Why did I save this one? Oh, Mel B having a bust-up, which I didn't believe a word of. And uh, Carol McGiffin talking about that well-known old fraud, Jordan, who uh, is, I mean, just a complete waste of time. <laughs> complete waste of time. Uh, why did I save that bit there? Oh, yes, I saved that bit for that bit. And uh, has Denise, Denise Van Outen found true love again? And at this time, he's a, he's a stockbroker. That makes him sound, you know, really flash, doesn't it? But in fact, he just looks like a, an Essex boy. What? Stockbroker. Because most of them in the, in the stock market, they're sort of burnt out quite quickly. Uh, she's 40. He's an Essex... Oh, there he is. I was right. He's an Essex-based trader. He's 41. They've been getting incredibly close. Now, this is where your heart drops, doesn't it? So she goes out. She marries Lee Mead. They have a, they have a child. And uh, all of a sudden... Another person, after they split up, another person comes onto the scene and all of a sudden somebody else is looking after your child. It was a bit the Jordan situation, wasn't it? You know, the bedroom door had it's a revolve and then there's somebody else and all of a sudden the kids are with somebody else and you're thinking, I don't know, it's just a, just a little bit tacky. A little bit tacky. Uh, I noticed that uh, Britain's Got Talent teen rappers, Bars and Melody, not the most catchy name, have been signed up by, wait a minute... Simon Cowell! No, there's a surprise. So, uh, best friends, Charles Lenahan and uh, Leandro Devries came third in the TV series, but they got signed up. And they're going to be releasing uh, their single. Uh, Charles from Bristol, Charlie, do you beg your pardon, says, we're so excited, we've been given the chance to record our single, A Dream Come True. It, he's not doing it as any favour to you, he's doing it to make money. That's what Simon Cowell does. He makes money. He'll he'll try and you know find something, and you're the uh, you're the thing. I did laugh at um, England cricket captain Stuart Broad, who's uh, who's dating somebody else. The latest one is uh, a lingerie model. Oh, lovely! And here she is, and uh, her name is Beely, Beely Mitchell. Oh, lovely! She's a lingerie model. There was, there was a woman on the television the other day, and uh, she used to be glamour model. Used to be glamour model, but now lingerie model. Lingerie model, really difficult. She said, really, I thought it must be really amazingly difficult. And you look at these people and you go, and you think that's a career, do you? <laughs> it's a bit sad, isn't it? Quick time check for you. It's quarter past five. Morning, everybody. Uh, 5.20 is the time. Duncan Barks there. You can catch this evening on LBC. Nick Ferrari and the team will be here after seven o'clock this morning. I was just having a quick look through the Sunday papers. I like to find out who's touring. 
just in case there might be somebody I want to go and see, and they all seem to be touring. James Taylor and his band, half his gigs have sold out. Neil Sadaka is back in the country. He was such a good interview for me a few years back. 10CC as well are touring again. Earth, Wind and Fire, there only appear to be three of them now. Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel. George Benson, Nana Muscuri. Nana Muscuri, that's a good one. Uh, Shane Phelan, it's the You and Me Tour, winter 2014, so October and November. He seems to be working literally every single night. He's all over the place. When I say he's all over the he's doing the Fairfield Halls in Croydon. Do you think he's going to sell that out? I don't know, I've played the Fairfield Halls a couple of times. It's a bit of a barn of a place. It really is. Although the one that will appeal to, uh, appeal to Noreen is the sensational 60s experience with all of these names will mean something except the last one. Herman's Hermits. Very good. The Swinging Blue Jeans. Oh, the hippie, hippie shake. Dave Berry. No, not that one. The Union Gap minus Gary Puckett. Which is odd, because Gary Puckett lives over in Florida, I think, now, and he still tours over there. So you get the Union Gap without Gary Puckett, who was the voice. They had, um, Lady Willpower, or Young Girl. Uh, the Ivy League, tossing and turning. And then, here's the name that you won't have heard of, Alan Mosca. Alan Mosca. Well, I racked my... When I looked at it, I thought, Alan... Who's Alan Mosca? It turned out he's from Freddy and the Dreamers. <laughs> but as Freddie Garrity died... It, it, you know, you, you come, I, don't, I wouldn't have known anybody else from Freddie and the Dreamers. I felt a bit, I felt a bit bad that I don't know about all these people. Because you're supposed to, aren't you? You're supposed to know things. If you sit there and you have a radio programme, you're supposed to have a rough idea who some of these people are. Uh, the Mirror today, I've got a picture on the front. Now, it's either genuine or it's not. I realise it's a 50-50 option. And this is a picture they claim is jihadists spraying bullets into a shallow murder pit full of bound Iraqi soldiers. The distressing image appeared to show a mass execution released as Tony Blair insisted yesterday he was not to blame for the country succumbing to bloodthirsty militia. Former ambassador to the US, Sir Christopher Mayer, says we're reaping what we sowed in 2003. Now, it depends if you believe this, this picture or if you believe that it's, it's a dummied-up picture because it appears in a lot of the papers and it's... I mean, some people are sitting up some people are lying down, some people, you know, they're not wearing military uniforms, so you've got no idea who they are, and they're just saying, ISIS gunmen opening fire yards from the cowering huddle of handcuffed Iraqi soldiers. Well, nobody's handcuffed, as far as I can see. They look as though they've had their wrists bound together with rope. But as I say, it could be a dummied-up picture, you know, to prove that they're hard or, or anything like that. Uh, Mr Blair says the invasion was not to blame and has called for airstrikes. The Mirror have said an illegal war inflamed extremism and the result is uh, is here to see in the piles of dead bodies. I mean, because you don't know. I mean, I can't tell from this picture. Judging by the way they're holding these guns, I don't know if they are firing anything. It's a bit difficult to tell whether or not these people have been executed or whether they're just lying there. I don't know. I don't know. It would take a better person than I to try and work these out. So that you can read in all the papers today. The pictures are, you know, we, we put the most horrendous pictures in newspapers nowadays. And, you know, children there and they flick through and they become totally immune, don't they? they become totally immune to pictures of what could be dead bodies all over the place. <sighs> Here's good news for those people who don't like the dentist. <laughs> I hate the dentist. I hate it. Once I'm in there, I'm fine. But uh, the, dread the dreaded dentist drill, which is the thing that puts the fear of God into you, and if you've got the dentist this morning, I'm very sorry, but they've got a painless new tooth treatment. Scientists today will unveil the device which allows decayed teeth to rebuild themselves without fillings and could be available, and where we go, in three years' time. Well, don't tell me about it now. 
Three years? I've got to wait for three years. Professor Nigel Pitts, one of its creators, says, The way we treat teeth today is not ideal. When we repair a tooth by putting in a filling, it enters a cycle of drilling and refilling as ultimately each repair fails. Not only is our device kinder to the patient and better for their teeth, but is expected to be at least as cost-effective as current dental treatments. Oh, lovely. Apparently the treatment is named Electrically Accelerated and Enhanced Remineralization. You try asking for that when you go in there. And it prepares damaged enamel and then uses a tiny electric current to push calcium and minerals into the tooth. A firm called Riminova has been set up in Perth to introduce the treatment. First company to emerge from the King's Dental Innovation and Translation Centre, which aims to bring such, such technology to the market. Well, anything that takes away... See, all we want to hear as well, isn't it, is pain-free drilling. That's all... Somebody said to me, would it help... Would it help if you could see what they were doing in your mouth? No. This would not help in the slightest. Although I do know dentists who have mirrors on the ceiling, so you can effectively watch and, uh, and see what's going on. I, don't, I really don't want to know. I really don't want to know. I, I have that you know, little interest in what's going on inside there. I mean, I'm more worried about the injection. More worried about that. Uh, 84850, Steve, at uh, at lbc.co.uk. Apparently a cut in the TV licence fee could be on the way. Uh, Sajid Javid said the charges, which raise £3.6 billion a year, should be looked at in the 2016 BBC charter. Here we go, another two years we've got to wait. What's the point of telling us stuff now? In 2016... Do it now. Do it now. It's way too much money to pay for sort of to- so many free plugs on the BBC, so many free adverts. Either they're running adverts or they're not, but they do product placement on so many of their programmes. So what do you think Top Gear is? That's a product placement show. They tell you the make of the car. Yet uh, Davy Boy Beckham goes on one of the dullest programmes we've ever seen on television. Although Anthony Cotton, as guest TV reviewer this week, thought it was the best thing he'd ever seen on television, proving that's why we don't run the Anthony Cotton shows anymore. He's got no clue at all. And, and you watch that, and they won't tell you the name of the motorbike that Davy Boy Beckham was riding through the Amazon, because that was a bit dumb, was it? Did you see it? Do you see the clip that they showed the other day where they were... David Boy Becker was trying to explain to people in the jungle what football was. They don't know what football is. They have no idea. They have no concept. And so the woman said, he wants to know what, what football is, because they don't know who David Beckham is, just some bloke that turns up, you know, with a camera crew and producers and people who primp and, you know, prop him up and things like that and probably give him what to say as well. And so David goes, well, you, you take a football... Well, that was when the man glazed over. He didn't know what a football is either. Don't try to explain what a football is. They don't know. And so, of course, it was like the blind leading the permanently blind, I'm afraid. Davy Boy Beckham couldn't do anything at all. But the BBC said afterwards, when they said, you know, why did you block out the name of the bike? They were British-made bikes, and we don't do that kind of product placement. I thought, well, you do. You do it on top gear. You tell us what the cars are. You tell us how much they cost. You put them through their paces. You tell us everything. Is that a different free advert? Is that different? Obviously it is, in the BBC's terms. They've had product placement all over the thing. You know, even in EastEnders. I mean, you can't move for adverts on there. They always try and pretend, oh, no, we're not doing adverts. Of course you are. Don't be silly. It used to make me laugh on Blue Peter when they'd cover up a cornflakes packet with a piece of sticky gaffer tape. You know, we're all going, it's cornflakes. And what's that glue there? Copy decks. OK. Is that fairy liquid bottle? Yeah. Why have they covered it up? Because apparently they don't like to be seen to be doing an advert for fairy liquid. It's a fairy liquid bottle. Why don't you say, you can use any of these washing up liquid. We're using this one. Makes it easier, doesn't it? They just get so... They're, they're so... Yeah, 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 I'm afraid. Oh, there's a new girl going into Corrie, so you've got a two-page spread on that. Sexy. Me, she says. No. Uh, you wouldn't think that if you saw what I look like at eight in the morning. Why do people always say that? 
You wouldn't think I was sexy. It's like me. You wouldn't think I was sexy if you saw me at half past one in the morning. Of course you'd think I was sexy. That's just ridiculous to even think that I, I wouldn't be. Um, apparently, uh, Harrison Ford is going to be off the Star Wars set for eight weeks. So what they'll have to do is they'll have to film around and then try and get as much stuff done as possible. Because eight weeks, you can't afford to have that uh, held off at all. Uh, free school buses for over 16s being axed by cash-strapped councils because of savage coalition cuts. We used to get a free school bus years ago. Free school bus. Happy days, the school bus. Nowadays, it's kids who go to school in four-by-fours. You see them sitting on the back seat, barely alive, struggling with the journey. You know, but, but if you make them walk to the bus stop in the wind, the rain and everything else, then at least uh, when they get to school, they're going to be... They're going to be sort of fairly awake, aren't they, I would think? So they get a bit wet, who cares? And Casey Kasem does get loads of coverage. He had Parkinson's disease, 82, uh, and dementia. Passed away several days after a judge ruled his life support should be withdrawn. He was a man whose hair was an unusually dark colour, I seem to remember. He used to do a television programme. They used to run the Casey Kasem show as well. And, uh, and in fact, he actually gets bigger coverage than Francis Matthews. But I would have thought that more people knew Francis Matthews in this country than it would ever heard of Casey Kasem. I mean, the only thing that he... He was the voice of Shaggy in 69, and for most of the next 40 years, he also founded the American Top 40 radio shows, which were syndicated. You know, very good they were, too. But it was the old-fashioned... The old-fashioned presentational uh, skills that he had. It was, you know, it was the deep, dark voice... And it was, you know, and this one comes from Aerosmith. And Aerosmith, and he'd go on about it. And I used to think, it's very interesting, but quite dull. Uh, but he was, he was very famous. He was certainly more famous than me. Which, of course, means he's very, very famous. 84850, uk. Producer's girlfriend had something delivered the other day, and that came from China. But you don't know when you click onto the company. You know, they might call it sort of, you know, Bridgetown Goods or something like that. And then it's come from Shanghai. Quick time check for you. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. How nice of the papers this morning to get a, uh, a picture of uh, Pippa Middleton getting her leg over a bicycle. That obviously took some posing, didn't it? Because apparently she's raring to go in a race across America. Who cares? Who cares? I couldn't... I really couldn't care less, I'm afraid. I couldn't care less. But apparently, riding with her brother James... There's a story in half of the papers. She began her 12-day trip in California. Lovely. I think she's over there and not over here, I suppose. And uh, other stories... This is an old story in the Sun today. I'm a bit disappointed, really, in the... No, it's in the mirror. I do beg your pardon. Of the wife of Ronnie Cray, the gay one out of the craze, selling his booty... I think I suppose because today it's being sold, but we did this over a week ago on the programme. And uh, she's got all this stuff, like she's got um, uh, pictures of Reg, Ron and his mum, uh, their mum Violet. And she's got a pair of uh, sunglasses, a pair of glasses from him. But uh, she married the gay one. I don't quite understand how that works. He was in prison for the rest of his life and she's got letters. Ron often wrote sweetly to me. Perhaps he thought you were a bloke, dear. I don't know. I can't quite understand why. And she doesn't mention once in this article the fact that he was gay. In fact, the other one turned gay as well while he was in prison. They were often surrounded by pretty young boys, but uh, Ronnie was notorious for pretty boys. In fact, uh, had it been in this day and age, he'd have been investigated, I should imagine. All sorts of people he used to hang around with. In fact, if you look at a lot of the pictures, it was Ronnie with boys. But no mention of that. She talks about the fact he really loved me. Obviously coming from a different world or something. I don't know where she was first time round. Uh, other stories in the papers today. Apparently sleepovers with Dad are very bad for children of separated parents. 
preschool children whose parents are separated should not be allowed to spend the night with their fathers, says a top parenting expert. I never, I never believed parenting experts. I never quite understand them. I was watching the programme the other day on the Virgin Killer in America. Do you remember that young boy who downloaded all these videos of himself talking about how he couldn't find a girlfriend and he went out there and he was determined to cause havoc so he got the guns. He'd already butchered his flatmates. And then he went out there on this killing spree. I mean, quite clearly he was mentally ill, seriously mentally ill, causing much embarrassment for his parents who just didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. I think he killed six people. But he knifed to death... Uh, the three flatmates he had, whose parents just couldn't come to terms with it. And he also then went on to YouTube. He downloaded all these things onto YouTube saying, this is it, all these people are going to die because girls should want to go out with me. And I thought, why would they want to go out with you? He thought he was the alpha male. He called himself the alpha male. And so you you sort of look at these programmes on the television. They kept showing you clips of him. And he appeared to be, I suppose, sane in in terms of, I've met some really barking mad people. But then the moment he kept calling himself the alpha male and the fact that girls didn't want to go out with him, he didn't understand why girls didn't want to go out with him. And I thought, it's quite clearly because you're a bit deranged. And then he decided to go out and he just opened fire indiscriminately. In one particular shop, people were in there. There must have been about 10, 15 people and just opened fire through the window. One person went down straight away. The rest of them were hiding behind uh, the aisles. I mean, thank God he didn't actually go in there. He just stayed outside and then calmly drove off in his car because had he gone in there, it would have been carnage. He was heading, though, for, for one of the uh, blocks, one of the off-campus blocks, which was known to have, you know, all the girls in there. But unfortunately for him, and fortunately for them, when he banged on the door, nobody answered. So that was when he, uh, that was when he went out and uh, did his indiscriminate killing. And then the father of one of the boys gave an impassioned speech saying, why have we got these gun laws? Why have we got these guns? How many more children are going to die? And the answer is, it's almost on a yearly basis. Somebody flips in America. Because they're allowed to buy guns. This boy went out the day before and bought guns. You can buy guns that look like miniature machine guns. Thank God we're never going to have that over here. Well, I hope we're never going to have it over here. But uh, this psychologist, Penelope Leach, whose books have sold millions, uh, accused couples who've split up and arranged sleepovers of putting their own rights ahead of their children's. But that's what you have to do, isn't it, if you split up? You want to keep in contact with the children, otherwise somebody else starts bringing up... Your your child, and that's in the case of Lee Mead, who now, if his ex-wife... Because you really hope, I suppose, that they're never going to meet anybody ever again. And that your children will be brought up and then you can bring them up as well. Because you have to explain it. But when they're very young, they don't understand, do they? I should imagine it must be very difficult explaining to uh, Jordan's children. One minute you've got to get used to Alex Reed. Oh, by the way, Alex Reed is gone now. Here's somebody else. This is Leandro Penner. Oh, Leandro's gone now. They must think it's like lots of... Perhaps they're introduced as uncles. Either way, it's all it's all very, very odd. They're, they're looking in the paper today, because Nick Ferrari is going to be looking at diabetic cats, and you can have all sorts of animals. I'm assuming you can, by the same token, have dogs that are diabetic, but how you find this out, I don't know. They're now saying, for humans, an artificial pancreas could help stem the diabetes epidemic, and it is an epidemic, and it's purely brought on, in a lot of cases, by obesity and by people eating the wrong food. People eating the wrong food. Look at all the fast food shops that you've got open late at night. So you're eating something. No exercise. You just eat your kebab with the chips. And because you're drunk, it always tastes a lot better. Or you have a late night curry. Loads of places you can go out and have really, really bad food. And then you just climb into bed and sleep it. That's what people say. I'm going to bed to sleep it off. You know, I need some fat in my body. I need a greasy bacon sandwich. I need something that's going to get me through the next bit of the day. So you're going to see more and more diabetics. You're going to see more and more clinically obese people. 
people. You're going to see more and more people having to rely on the NHS for their tablets or their insulin or any other bits of medication that go along with obesity. And now they're saying you could have this artificial pancreas. Uh, This could allow thousands of diabetic patients to live normal lives without constant injections of insulin. Well, that's a good idea, because, I mean, if if I could sort of get away with that, it'd be quite good. They're saying that you could have an insulin pump that can be a sensor, presumably stuck onto your body, um, and you've got a little machine, the correct dose is calculated, and the insulin pump then injects the dose into the skin. So I'm assuming what you've got is you've got a round pad with a needle the other side of it, just a small needle, because most needles for diabetics are, are really, you know, quarter of an inch long. They're not, they're not as long as the ones they use in the, in the doctor's surgeries, which seem enormous to me, absolutely huge. And so if you have that, it just sticks on there, and then presumably there is enough insulin to, to go the month. Because I can make a, one of my pens, well, one of my pens I can make last about a week and a bit. But the other pen, I think, would probably last a, a bit longer than a month. So, in fact, if you're taking two lots of insulin, which I take... You'd have to have, I suppose, two machines. You'd be making noises all over. The- you imagine every so often I'm doing the program, you go like that. You'd be hearing all these. Sh- but what's he-, what's he doing now? It's bad enough when the stomach started gurgling. Without having to worry about listening to an insulin pump, but it would make it easier for those people who kind of forget to take the insulin. So, in other words, you've got the sensor which monitors your blood sugar levels. The reading is then transmitted to the co- control device, which then gives you the correct dose, and the insulin pump injects the dose into the skin. It just means that every time you have a shower, presumably you take this thing off, and you get lots of sticky pads which have got little needles in it, and then just clip it on and... It'd be fun to watch, wouldn't it, actually? Yeah, producer's looking forward to that one. More blood leak. I did that the other day, actually. I stupidly went out and I injected just before I went out, put the shirt on, and as I looked down, I've got a little little puddle of blood on the shirt. It's only tiny, only tiny. But it was enough for sort of people to notice, because it was a white shirt. Shall be doing that one again. But I like this idea. Whether or not it's going to, uh, to happen soon, I don't know. 300,000 Britons have got type 1 diabetes. I'm type 2, so I'm tablet and insulin dependent. But it would make life a lot easier. I know you can get something now which helps you. But uh, I, I try not to forget. But I have had a couple of nights where I have forgotten to do things. Uh, 84850... Poor old Patrick in Hackney. Oh, half Patrick. They's hemorrhage completely. I hear on the way out, but that's just uh, just me being very cruel, I'm afraid. And uh, listening to you in San Diego, says uh, Ian. Yes. I don't know anything about San Diego. What do we know about San Diego? Nothing. It's in America. That's that's all we know at the moment. Uh, Weather for today. You want to know, don't you? You really do. Dry, variable cloud, bright spells. So that's good. That's good. I, I mean, I can cope. It's a bit... Bit mizzy, I'm afraid, at the moment. Uh, the high 19 degrees centigrade tonight, bright spells in the evening, mostly dry overnight. Cloud will thicken. Few spots of light rain or drizzle in places, mainly near the coast. Lows of 12 degrees. It'll hit 19 degrees today. Double it, add 30. 38, 68. Brilliant, is it? I mean, just, you know, borderline 66, 68, something like that. Tomorrow, cloudy start. Good spells of warm sunshine throughout the day. Everybody loves that, don't they? Especially if you're coming into town on a train. Not. You hate it. Whenever I get to Waterloo Station... And if I see Lenny, or if I see Brian at Twickenham, the hordes of people that come towards you, the train... I mean, you have to literally flatten yourself against the wall because they spread out over the whole double platform. They can't just walk down the side of the train. They spread out over the whole thing. And there's so many people now getting onto the first-class carriage. It's become Chav City. It really is. It's become quite awful. By the time we get to, uh, to Clapham Junction, every chav under the world is on there. Somebody said to me the other day, I, I had my bag, because I, I like to... Sometimes I, I develop a nasty, throaty cough. 
which makes me sound like I'm going to explode. <coughs> Perhaps they won't want to sit next to me. I don't like people sitting next to me. You go, excuse me, buddy, can I sit there? Buddy? Buddy? Have you ever heard such an expression? Who calls people buddy? Where's that come from? It's bad enough being called mate. I keep seeing these police programmes where they go, listen, mate, and the police officer goes, I'm not your mate. Which is great. Buddy, though, have you heard of that expression? What sort of low life comes up with that? Wednesday to Friday, often cloudy, sometimes misty near eastern coasts, although brighter spells likely inland, mainly dry, a few spells of rain likely, and some heavy bursts on Thursday. That's good, isn't it? We're being jet-washed today after the car dispersed half of the engine oil. Uh, we're being jet-washed to clean it all up. I didn't realise that oil is so blooming messy. I just thought you put stuff down and it washes away, but no, it doesn't wash away at all. So we're going to be jet-washed, which I'm, I'm very excited about. I, like, I, I did buy my brother a jet-wash once. I didn't realise just how messy jet-washing is. I mean, you literally get things... Oh, it's just so ghastly. So, so ghastly. Apparently, Malcolm says, there's a programme on tonight called The Dentist at 9pm, looking behind the scenes. Well, what can you look at behind the scenes of a dentist? What is, I mean, I always, the worst thing that they can ever say to me is, and I know they're always going to say, we're just going to numb you up. Oh, I hate it. hate it with my, I mean, I love my dentist because I think he's very good. Once he gets going, I, I like to just go for it, just go for it, go for it, go for it. Because otherwise I sit there in, uh, in, in a dreadful state. I, I can really depress myself by thinking about the dentist. You could think anything. You're sitting in there and you always, and you can hear the first, the person who's in before you. And you think, oh. God, try and be brave, try and be brave. Try not to sweat. Try and look as though, hi! You know, try and be all happy and cheerful when you go in there. And secretly, you're staring out the window thinking, I want to die. I absolutely don't want to be here. I don't like it. Doctors I can cope with. I'm all right with the doctor. I'm fine with the surgery. I'm fine with them just about taking blood. I always think... I look down, actually, so I'm looking at my arm now, thinking to myself, how do they see the veins? Where are my veins? I've got, I've got no veins anymore. They've just sort of vanished. They always seem to find one. They take three syringes. I've got to go back, actually. I haven't done the appointment yet. I'm trying to find a free day. I've got so many things to do this week. And also, I've got a... It's a, um, a no alcohol for, I think, 48 hours. I'll have to take tablets for that one. We'll never get through that day. <laughs> Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. We've got a bit of pear-shaped in Nigeria, I'm afraid, where the uh, the police in the eastern state of Kwara have arrested a, a goat on suspicion of armed robbery. I only mention this because I've seen a lot of suspicious-looking goats walking around London. Uh, this one here was seized by vigilantes. It's a, a black-and-white goat. They say it's an armed robber who's used black magic to transform himself into an animal to escape after trying to steal a Mazda 323. Well, anybody will tell you goats can't drive Mazdas. Sheep, yes, but not goats. Anyway, a spokesman for the police there said the goat is in our custody. It's amazing how people believe that, isn't it? I mean, I mean you, you always worry about the sanity of most people. But here they are. Mind you, talking of the sanity of most people, I see that poor old Colleen Rooney. <laughs> Another one of those wags out there with Stephen Gerrard's wife, who spends most of her time just standing there with a the photographer so they can get some pictures and send them back to us of uh, yet another lovely outfit that she's wearing. Vacuous, but lovely outfit. Anyway, uh, Colleen has been targeted by disgruntled fans after England's defeat against Italy. Let's just call it what it is. We lost. The wife of uh, Wayne received a torrent of abuse on Twitter after posting a Father's Day message saying how proud he made her and their two sons. What, through losing? How can that be? Fans responded with comments such as, shame he can't play football and what is there to be proud of? Which, of course, is absolutely right. What is there to be proud of? 2-1. We lost. The 28-year-old said last week she intends to defy Roy Hodgson's ban on wags in Brazil by flying out with her boys, Kai, 
and Clay in the next few days. I don't want them to grow up and say, how come you never took us to watch Dad in the World Cup? It's not known how many wags will abide by the ban, but apparently Alex Gerrard's wife has been seen in Ibiza. Doing nothing, of course, as usual. Uh, she's previously revealed that if she would travel to Brazil, if England get through to the later stages, if they do fly out to support their partners, Colleen and Alex may want to be a little wary of their Italian counterparts. Apparently, the Italian media has launched a war of the wags in the wake of their victory. Yeah, that's the last thing we need. I mean, also, you can't really have a conversation with, with Alex Gerrard or Colleen Rooney because there's not really a lot going on there. But you know what? There are better things in life to worry about than, you know, Alex Gerrard wandering and posing up and down a beach in Ibiza, poor souls. The best she can manage. You can't take her anywhere classy. You have to leave her in Ibiza, or Ibiza, as some people call it. Having got over the surprise of pygmy pigs, which turned out not to be pygmy pigs, what do you think the latest little craze is? Yes, the barking mad are going out there to buy hedgehogs. Hedgehogs. I mean, it's just really ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. There's a, a woman here called Emma. She looks like she's a bit mad, I'm afraid. She's got hedgehogs. She's bought two of them. £150 mini hedgehogs. It's alarming, the animal charities. I'm not at all surprised. They post pictures up on the internet by hedgehog owners. Oh, aren't they funny and things like that? They're not pets. They're not pets. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, these uh, African pygmy, it's a cross between a white-bellied hedgehog native to Central and Eastern Africa and the Algerian hedgehog. Some are pale, some are dark, some are cappuccino-coloured. Either way, they've got 6,000 quills each. They're not pets. They're not pets. And, you know, and stupid people who buy things like this, they're not, they're not animal lovers in any way, shape or form. They're idiots. Complete idiots like the people who bought the pygmy pigs who turned out to be just piglets that hadn't actually grown. And the moment they started growing, people went, oh, I don't want that now, do we? It's like people who buy these little dogs that don't appear to have any legs and they walk around with them tucked under their arm. Jerry Halliwell was a classic example of somebody who used to walk into the ivy with her dog under his arm, under her arm. And, you know, people who sit with them in bags and put it on the floor. It's a dog, for goodness sake. It's just absolutely awful. It really is. And, you know, and I hate it when people go for these faddy things. They'd be stupid, like somebody who pinched a meerkat. Do you remember? Pinched a meerkat from a zoo once. Luckily, they, they sort of caught the person and they got the meerkat back. But they, they're animals that live together. Hedgehogs, they live in the garden. That's what they do. They eat slugs and snails and they're very good. And you shouldn't give them anything to eat. They're quite happily foraging by themselves. People who give them sort of bread and milk and all this stuff, what does the matter with you? It's like the idiots who feed pigeons. You know how much I, or how little I actually think of them. Very little. Very, very little. And, um, yes, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, uh, Colin in Ryslip says, I'm just going to post a card for my niece's birthday. And it's ten centimetres over the small lettering. Good job I checked all the money to pay at the other end. Can't card makers put on the wrapper large or small letter rate? The card shop sold stamps, but the wrong ones. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm with you. Because I have no idea. When I send a jiffy bag to my brother, I always put two first-class stamps on it because I've got no idea at all. What size goes with what? And I think the card manufacturers, let's face it, you pay enough for it. £3 for a card the other day. For me, a printed cardboard. It's rubbish, isn't it? And uh, I don't think anybody should send cards anymore. I think you should all send e-cards. Cheaper, more fun, more interesting, you know, really, really good. Fun things to do. They're animated. I send lots of Jackie Lawson cards. And it's so cheap, you can send hundreds in the course of the year, for like a pound or something. It's really, really cheap. And it's the best way of doing it. And they, and they become animated. You know, click on this and then smoke comes out of the house. And at Christmas, people walk across the pub lights. All sorts of strange things. They're all over the internet. But then to actually physically send a card. By the time you bought the stamp and the card, you're looking like four and a half pounds. 
£8.50. It's way too much money, way too much money. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Sting's London pad and I'm thinking, I like this house. For £15 million, this is good value. When you think only a short while ago we were offering you for £15 million four double bedrooms in Trafalgar Square, probably with service charges to go with it. But this one here is very nice. You'll be very near Downing Street. It's a stone's throw. And I suspect... I suspect this one here, which has got nine bedrooms and six bathrooms. I mean, that's that's a lot. And also because it's his, it's uh, it's well looked after. It's absolutely beautiful. I like it. Um, he bought this house for £5.7 million 11 years ago from Sean Woodward, who, you remember, was the Tory defector turned Labour MP. It, oh, that's the way it is. It's on Birdcage Walk. It's on that Birdcage Walk bit because it's got views over St James's Park and it's so close to Big Ben, the owners can hear the clock chime from the garden. It also comes with its own lift. Very good value. It's in that road that runs down next to the barracks. So you're literally adjacent to the road which runs to the back of Down... I know exactly where this house is now. To the back of Downing Street and then onto Horse Guards Parade. And that was nice. It's being marketed by Knight Frank. 15 million, very reasonable. If I'd won the lottery, I'd buy it. Nine bedrooms. You could rent two out. You could start getting some money back, couldn't you? You could rent to some people round here. That'd be good. Say, you know, do you want to travel all the way back to, to the suburbs or would you like to come and sort of have a, a nice bedroom in a beautiful listed house? Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. My sort of place. Wish I'd, I wish I had won the lottery. But uh, as you can imagine, I'm still here, so obviously I haven't. Um... A grandmother who had a heart attack outside a hospital walk-in centre was forced to call her own ambulance because the staff were not allowed to. This is the story of Hannah Barnes, who went to a community hospital with symptoms that she recognised from her previous heart attack. When she begged staff to call help, she was told to ring the emergency services herself. She managed to use her mobile phone and was taken to hospital, having had her second heart attack in six months. She's still in a critical condition a week later. Her sister, Tina, says, I could have lost my sister... Would making a free phone call really have harmed them? A medical centre is, is surely the place where you're meant to turn to for help. But she had to get help on her own. She went to Jarrow's Palmer Community Hospital, where the families say she was refused assistance. She was then taken to Newcastle's Freeman Hospital. Uh, director of the NHS South Tyneside Clinical Commissioning Group, which oversees services in the area, said they couldn't comment on individual cases. That's their way out of all these things. Eh? We couldn't possibly comment on an individual case. Don't you think it's a bit unusual, though, love? No, not. She said, but all the providers are expected to seek appropriate assistance where necessary. I mean, she's... <laughs> Tina says uh, she says she'll never forget the face of the woman who said she couldn't call an ambulance. It's ridiculous. The guidelines state receptionists should call 999 if necessary. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. So, so somebody's having a heart attack, and you say to somebody, could you call an ambulance? No, no, call it yourself. Is it, what, what, what are you here for? What is the point of you being here if we're not going to actually achieve anything? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I always like stories of... of Nice, nice stories of the papers. Stories that sort of put a smile on your face and make you feel a, a little bit better. And there's a little girl of four in the paper today, and her name is Evie Lee Austin, and she loves pretending to be Rapunzel. That was the one who let down her hair. When she found out there were little girls with cancer, she's only four, she's got blonde hair to her waist, and uh, they had no hair at all, she insisted on having hers cut off and turned into wigs so that they could feel like princesses as well. So she's had her hair cut off, because if you've got very, very long hair, you can do that. You can sell it, but she's given it. Uh, her mother told her about how cancer can ha cause hair loss, and uh, her mum says, I told her that there were boys and girls who don't have any hair, 
because they're quite poorly. And so she wanted to grow her hair so that she could help them out. Which I thought, I mean, isn't that a nice thing? That four years old to actually make a sacrifice like that. You see, there are good stories in the papers. There are, oh, wait a minute. Peter Mandelson having private talks with Prince Charles. Heavens above, I had no idea Peter Mandelson was still around. But uh, he is. And he was having a private meeting with Prince Charles the other day. What could they have been talking about? Still plenty more to come on your first early morning breakfast show of the week. It's Monday. I'm Steve Allen with you till 6.30 before handing over to Tom Swarbrick with the morning news today. And then Nick Ferrari at breakfast from 7. We'll go through all the papers and tell you what the front pages are saying so you don't have to bother. The Sutton pictures Prince George and suggests he'd make a good recruit for Roy Hodgson's team in the World Cup. Can't play any worse, can he? The Express leads with a new report suggesting savers could boost their pension by up to a quarter if they delayed their retirement for two years. The Times has got an interview with one of the Education Secretary's closest allies who accuses David Cameron of holding back school reforms. And a star, Wayne Rooney's wife, Colleen, will join the England striker in Brazil before Thursday's match against Uruguay. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's all next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday morning. You didn't really want to hear that, did you? Rather, I told you it was Friday. All right, let's fib. For the whole of the programme, it's Friday. Tom Swarbrick will be here with the morning news at 6.30. Nick Ferrari with breakfast at 7. We'll go through all the front pages for you in a moment. Prince George apparently is walking. I think it's the first time that they've shown a picture of a royal prince walking. Well, I mean, I apart from, you know, I think we've seen pictures of Harry walking. Well, kind of. Many towards the photographers after he's had a few drinks. But uh, Prince uh, George is showing off his football skills the other day, which is certainly a dance sight more interesting than watching the England team. But we play Uruguay on Thursday, and then we've got another match after that, and then presumably home for fish and chips. Or, in Colleen Rooney's case, another holiday. She has said she's going to go on a three-week holiday after this. It's apparently terribly stressful. I mean, just packing up the suitcase and not doing any shopping for about a week must be very stressful for her. Tony Blair coming under attack from just about everybody for calling for Western uh, military intervention in the Middle East, with the Islamic jihadists now in control of large parts of Iraq and the emergence of pictures apparently showing the massacre of soldiers, although there is some doubt over the authenticity of them. The former Prime Minister insisted the crisis could have been avoided if the West had bombed Syria. In an extraordinary essay, Mr Blair, now a Middle East peace envoy, pointed the finger at the lack of Western military response against Damascus rather than his own actions in supporting the 2003 invasion of Iraq. And quite rightly, he's been rounded on by just about everybody. I mean, um, people have branded him a complete American neocon, adding more bombing will not solve it. And this, is, this runs through all of the, the papers for today. But uh, they've got very excited in the mail. We're showing loads and loads of pictures of uh, Kate with her very lively runaway prince, who looks exactly like Prince Charles did when he was that age. And uh, Charles, I think, was playing... Uh, not Charles, um, William was playing polo the other day, so they sort of go off to, uh, to polo, which is quite nice. Uh, General Sir Michael Rose has done a huge piece in the paper about Blair's bizarre claims and the reality, talking about the chemical weapons. You remember the chemical weapons, and in fact one of the most extraordinary arguments by Tony Blair in his essay is that because Syria's President Assad had used chemical weapons, this retrospectively justified invading Iraq where no such weapons were ever found. And it's likely 
that knowing what we now know about uh, Assad, Saddam, who had used chemical weapons, uh, both the Iranians and his own people against, would have restrained from ever returning to his old ways. The truth is, leaving aside, as too preposterous to merit a response, the argument that because one dictator in the country has used chemical weapons, it follows that another in a completely different country would have done so too. It was already quite clear by 2003 that Iraq did not possess weapons of mass destruction and that Saddam Hussein was no threat to anybody. For following the Iran-Iraq war and Saddam's disastrous invasion of Kuwait, which was back in, I think, the 1990s, Iraq was being inadequately contained militarily by the West, or adequately, I do beg your pardon. Uh, Following the Iran-Iraq war and Saddam's disastrous invasion, then it was all sorted. It was only subject to economic sanctions and UN arms inspectors, but they never found them, and that was the whole argument, wasn't it, that Tony Blair came up with, because they've got weapons of mass destruction. Where? Where? They weren't there at all. It's a, it's a case of more, more, more economics with the truth and just blatant lies in many, many cases. And the fact they were saying, oh, we've beaten Al-Qaeda. Do you remember when we actually went out there to try and find various people? We couldn't find anybody at all. We couldn't find anybody at all. We don't seem to have solved any problem. If you believe this photograph, if you believe that these people are being murdered, because it's very interesting because they say that these people here are herded onto a truck and taken to their deaths in the desert. But in fact... They, they, they look as though they're not just sitting in the truck. They're all sort of sprawled all over each other. It's the most bizarre picture, and that's why, as I say, we can't quite work out whether or not it's, um, it's actually a genuine picture or if it's dummied up. Nick Clegg has been embroiled in a fresh cash for honours row after the extent of the party's financial dependence on millionaire backers uh, who had been made peers, became apparent of all cash donations to the party in 2012. More than 600,000, or 40%, came from just three wealthy supporters, and all three have recently been appointed to the House of Lords by Mr Clegg. They are among 34 Lib Dems who have been given life peerages by Mr Clegg since the 2010 election. No doubt he'll be talking about this on LBC this week. And here they are, James Palumbo. <coughs> excuse me, owner of the Ministry of Sound nightclub, made a peer in August 2013. He's donated over a million to the Lib Dems. Uh, Rumi Vergi, who's a businessman who bought Domino's Pizza to Britain, he's donated over a million pounds since 2010, made a peer in August 2013. And Raj Lumba, a clothing tycoon, made a peer in 2010. He's donated £361,000 in part via his company, Rinku Group. But uh, James Palumbo, so you donate a million and you get a life peerage. It's, uh, it's cash for the boys, quite clearly. And that's why cash for honours over some of the, the biggest donors. You can read more in the, uh, in the mail today. Diets that involve fasting. Every, in, every time I open up the papers, and it's certainly been over the last week or so, they've talked about the fasting diets. I believe they were saying that Philip Schofield has uh, started going on a fasting diet. Now we're being told that the Duchess of Cambridge goes on a fasting diet. And uh, this is the 5-2 diet. Now, I'd never heard of this until a couple of weeks ago. I've heard about just about every other diet over the, uh, the years. And what they found is people who fasted regularly saw their cholesterol levels fall. And what they believe is that fasting forces the body to convert cholesterol into energy. It's an American... It's an, do you know something else? What did I hear the other day? <clears throat> there was a drug which I went to go and buy in Holland and Barrett... I can't remember what it's called. Whatever it is, people use it for jet lag. 
And I bought it in America, but I didn't realise that it was illegal in this country. So you can't buy it here. It's not available. It's, it's quite a well-known one, and I can't remember what it is. I'll think about it before the end of the programme, because I remember saying to the girl behind the counter, I said, but I bought that in America. She said, yes, you can buy it in, a, in America. She said, but it's not available here. So I could have sworn I bought it in this country, so perhaps they've recently made it illegal. <coughs> or I was just thinking about the one that I brought back in. But I, I did buy it uh, for getting over jet lag. Because I hate jet lag. It drives me absolutely mad. Uh, fasting has the potential to become an important diabetes intervention. So pre-diabetic patients who have too much glucose in their blood are not enough to be diagnosed with diabetes. By the end of the six-week study, the cholesterol had fallen by an average of 12%. That's actually, that's quite significant. Because that's the one thing. Every time you go back to the doctors, they go, right, we'll just test your cholesterol. Oh, it's up or down. And I've got tablets for cholesterol, which is great. I don't have any, any problems taking tablets for cholesterol, but I'm now not sure whether I'm supposed to be taking aspirin. Uh, who is the most popular royal? William. That's funny. I thought that Harry would have been the most popular royal. He's certainly the one who's, who's got the most edge. And uh, they did a, a survey. So the Prince of Wales lagged well behind them on 43%. 2,000 people were surveyed. Um, London Mayor Boris Johnson came closest with a regal score on 41%. David Cameron's 28%. Pipping Nigel Farage at 26%. Interesting. Where is Nick Clegg? Let me try and find Nick Clegg here for you. He's, uh, oh, he's 13%, dear. That's not, not really very good at all, I'm afraid. 13%. Uh, UKIP and the Lib Dems shed a point each to stand at 18% and 7% respectively. So, uh, so interestingly enough, it's, it's William you like. It's William you like. Uh, more in the papers of uh, Jagger and the Dancer. Uh, this dancer from America. Uh, apparently they met backstage at a concert. Makes you wonder how they meet at... I mean, I've never been invited backstage at a concert. But there again, I've never been out with Mick Jagger. Merely time, I should imagine. Aldi have decided to double their size by 2021. They're going to pile more pressure on all the supermarkets. They reckon that they will have double store numbers to 1,000. They've only got 500 at the moment. I always thought it was more. But they've got 500 at the moment. In seven years, they will have 1,000 stores. Perhaps I should go in, actually, because they've just won Grocer of the Year award. So there must be something good going in there. They've been building extensions, bigger car parks, to help avoid bottlenecks for spaces and at tills. Oh, at the moment, Twickenham's an absolute nightmare. Apart from having ISIS sprayed over a few things from a few, a few loony fanatics somewhere, uh, which should be caught on the town's CCTV. Uh, we've now got all the roadworks in there. How are you going to get fire engines down? I've got no idea, but I'm sure they, they know what they're doing. It just appears to most people that they don't. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. I'm with Nick and the team this morning as Tony Blair claims we shouldn't blame him for the current unrest in Iraq. Nick will be asking, is this the former Prime Minister's fault? Plus, are Cameron's comments about promoting British values actually offensive? And how do you know if your cat has diabetes? Nick will be talking to the owner of the first cat diabetes clinic for answers, Isabel Hardman, editor of the Coffee House, The Spectator blog. We'll be looking through the papers this morning for, uh, for Nick. Mikey says you're on form this morning. Thank you very much indeed. And, uh, and Martin says, can you slow down? I can't. I've, listen, I've only got two and a half hours. You've got to try and cram as much in in two and a half hours. Thank you for, for retweeting everything. And I sincerely hope that everybody has, um, has downloaded the In Conversation from yesterday, yesterday which, was, uh, which was a good one. It's melatonin, which is bad. Isn't it funny that I'm sure, in the back of my mind, I'm sure in the back of my mind they... Uh, I bought it in this country before, but then I suppose I must have bought it in America, where you can buy just about anything. 
You can buy just about anything. You don't have to sort of worry about it. Um, <laughs> Paula says, my husband and I went to Paris for the weekend. We had to double take when a, a balmy woman walks into the breakfast room with a pram with a dog sat in it. Yes, you do get that a bit, don't you? The Germans have been uh, shopping in Aldi and Lidl for a long time. Very popular over there. Without snobbery, easily the most popular grocery stores. Yes, we, we don't have them. And Twickenham, we're fairly upmarket. Well, as upmarket as we can be. We've got uh, we've got frozen yogurts. We do have a Poundland, and I suppose that's about the best you can say about it, isn't it? Uh, Steve, I went to the large designer shopping outlet near Oxford. Yes, I've um, friends. I've never been to it. My godchildren went there. And uh, Karen says uh, we took our rather large beagle with us. Told we could only come into the mall if we could carry the dog. We nearly fell off the chair laughing. But they were serious, so dog back in car, went round, and sure enough, all these handbag dogs were being carried around. We didn't stay long. We still have our beagle. I bet there's uh, some... Uh, I bet theirs will be discarded when they're no longer fashionable. It's, isn't it awful how dogs become fashionable? They became an accessory. The things I hate is people dressing them up. That really drives me ballistic, I'm afraid. To the point of... I, mean, I just really get so angry. Or people spraying them different colours. Have you seen this thing on the tele... Oh, it drives me mad. Buddy, apparently... Is an American expression, says Jay. Yes, I assumed it was something. Whatever it is, it sounds ridiculous. Somebody says you don't get jet lag travelling from Twickenham. You do the speed of my car. You can absolutely, you get everything. Uh, everything. 84850, steve at uk, And we shall uh, weave everything. Let me run through the, uh, the front pages, just so you know exactly what the front pages are saying for this morning. Apart from the fact they're all very excited that it's a doddle for the toddler prince. Yes, Prince George has actually managed to uh, do a little bit of walking. They're so great, aren't they, kids at that age? And then they grow so fast. How to boost your pension by 25%. The experts reveal the ways to get a bigger pot. Uh, the Daily Mail. Can you play against Uruguay on Thursday, George, they've said. You can't do worse than our lot, do they? I mean, should we make a prediction? Should we make some predictions on what we think the score is going to be? I don't want to be a downer on it, but I just don't think we're up to it. I think we spend far too much time. I was pointed out to a friend of mine the other day. Exactly how much footballers get paid. I said, Wayne Rooney gets paid £300,000 a week. £300,000 a week. That's about £12 million a year. £12 million a year, and we can't... And we don't win. I'd love to find out how much the Uruguayan team will be earning. Do you think £12 million all in? Do you think so? Or feeling like even the Italians. But it's a bit much, isn't it? Well, you pay them this much money, and all you end up with is pictures of their blasted wives wearing designer outfits. I'd rather see some footballing skills out... Well, I wouldn't, because I couldn't care less. But uh, I'd like to think that we might actually stand a chance of doing something on the football field. But, of course, I mean, nobody cares. They don't lose anything if they don't win. If they win, then they get something extra on top of that 300000 Makes you wonder what they spend it on, don't they? You know, do you think they sort of, you know, they, they build these huge ghastly houses and all tacky inside? I've seen a few of those. But the rest of it, I don't know. Tony Blair coming under fire from all sides after calling for Western military intervention in the Middle East. The Mirror have this picture on the front page. You can make up your own mind whether or not it's a genuine picture of jihadists executing dozens of government soldiers. I would have to question whether or not you can put something like this on the front page of a paper. Young people are going to see this. Are they not? Perhaps that's why nobody's got any fear of guns or anything nowadays. And these are people lying on the ground in a pit. I wouldn't mind, but if they, are, if they were executing them, normally there would be a pit dug, they'd be executed, and then they would cover the pit over. But they're not going to cover these people over, because there isn't any earth around there. So I don't quite understand whether or not it's... It's, uh, it's a genuine one or not. The Suns say, get him to Brazil. This is George, great dribbler. Good at dummies, plays for Palace. It's all very clever stuff. Uh, the Islamists on the front of the Independent executing dozens of soldiers as Iraq slides towards sectarian war. And um, 
And then Robert Fisk saying, it's a mercy that Barack Obama doesn't listen to the likes of Tony Blair. He seems to have kind of lost the plot a bit, doesn't he? The Times. On the front page, Prince George, out of harm's way, at the Sirencester Park Polo Club in Gloucestershire. Uh, the Chinese PM telling Britain, you've got us all wrong. China's Premier will arrive in London today on a mission to change misconceptions and misgivings about the country. Li Qiang announces his campaign to show Britain's the real China in an article published today. Somebody was... Uh, Jan Moyer was doing a very good piece the other day and she was talking about how Angelina Jolie had been given this ludicrous damehood for reasons best known to William Hague. But there again, I never quite understand how they decide to hand these things out. And uh, she was complaining about human rights and uh, the violation of women, which I quite understand. And then she goes on to promote her film in China, whose human rights issues don't even bear being looked at. Uh, from the Daily Telegraph, humiliated and executed by the jihadist firing squad, if you believe it's a genuine picture. And I'm not sure whether or not I believe, because the, there appears to be two lots of people if they are being executed. Uh, the Daily Star, Rooney scores at last. Colleen Sexfest gets ace back to best. It says Colleen, who doesn't actually do anything for a living, she sort of faffs around with a few clothes or something. And uh, also we're in for an L of a sizzler. Apparently the temperatures are going to rise. And they say a scorching summer, this is because of temperatures on the other side of the world, months of sun lie ahead thanks to an El Nino phenomenon. God, how ghastly. I can't think of anything worse. I really can't, honestly... And uh, I'm having some issues with a flag in the building at the moment. People sort of waving it around a little bit. You see, I see that flag. I see tattoos, British bulldogs and chavs. You know, I mean, I, it's just... I don't see anything else apart from that. The producer's going... Because I nearly threw it in the bin. And the producer got quite uppity about it. I mean, there was nearly a bit of an incident, a bit of a diplomatic incident, just as well he's going on holiday shortly. Well, I say he's going on holiday. They've enforced the ASBO, so it makes it a lot easier. Listen, that's about it for this morning. I'm back again tomorrow from 4am. If you've missed any of today's show, you can listen again whenever and wherever you like through our new podcast service. You can download the app now. Go to lbc.co.uk. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari is here at 7. Next, it's Tom Swarbrick with the morning news.